0: You're getting your microphone adjusted because we have a and missing chair situation. I'm gonna be
1: situation. high today, oh higher my than goodness. usual. Oh, my. that's actually—I shouldn't say that. I am elevated more than usual. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, what a great that can start. That could be taken. Your that can be, be taken, taken so awful, Regs. Yes. I promise. I'm just standing up. That's the only yes, difference. You're standing up. And Mitch's chair. is Hey, being now my chair's been returned. Right as I got the mic up there to the proper go. level. There Thank we you, go. Thank you, Jake. Well, we're Jake McDaniel, everybody. Yeah. What a friend. What a man. What a man.
0: What a dude. But, uh, Mitch, a lot to talk about today. So
1: much to talk about, buddy. ML-
0: MLB World Series Game 3 and Game 4 previews because the next time we'll be back on air is Wednesday after Game 4. Recap Game 1 and 2, Jack. Recap Game 1 and 2. A game NFL, for the ages. Games for the ages indeed. NFL recaps from Week 8. Many crazy plays and things happened over the course of this past week. And, of course, we will we will get to some more NHL tidbits and a little college football at the end to wrap things up for today's show. Two hours wall-to-wall. We thank you all for listening in once again to Heavy Hitters right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, or Kutztown. Yes, Without further ado, and wasting no more time. We'll get right in our discussion. It. Games one and two down in Houston took place. The series is tied at one. We are going to go back to game one and what was the Let's incredible comeback it. for the Phillies. It was a fantastic oh, 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 oh. start for the Astros, and they got to Aaron Nola for five early, th- two in the first Three in the second, and it really looked like the Astros were going to, you know, kind of run away with things. They got to Nola. It was a start that kind of, you know, it's like a, it's like a heavyweight boxing match. Mm. Boom! The Astros came in, swung the first heavy haymaker. The Phillies took a heavy hitter, if you will. Absolutely, a nice little yeah, heavy hitter, if you you will. That plug. But you know, you know, the Phillies took that one on the jaw. But you know, instead of getting knocked out, they uh, they stood back up, stayed in there, and you know, finished the fight and came back to win this thing. And it really all started in the middle innings. And I think a big mismanagement play by Dusty Baker here. I think he left Justin Verlander in the game for a little bit too long. I think he gets out of the fourth inning with three runs. I think you pull the plug there. You see the guy struggling out there. You see the Phillies are starting to get to him. He's leaving some stuff over in the middle of the plate. That's when, if I'm the manager, I'm saying, "Hey, look, we have one of the best, if not the best, bullpens in all of baseball. We're going to go to them. It might work them, but we know we have Framber for Game Two, who pitched the way he did. And we'll get to Game Two in a little bit. But, Mitch, uh, I know you. You're know, gonna, I know. I know you love talking about your. Oh, I'm going to talk course, about this game. A few, but a few I here, mean, yeah, you know. The Castellanos starts with a single to bring in Hoskins. Boehm doubles in, you know, make it 5-3. Then in the fifth, JT, two-run double, ties the game. And then, of course, he delivers the 10th inning blow off Luis Garcia for the opposite field. It's not Home even run, the play of the game. Make it 6 Not five. even the play of the no. game. And there were some big defensive plays in there, huh. too. Boehm made, a, Boehm made a couple big defensive plays over at third base. I mean, it was just good plays all around that fuel that Phillies come back. What was the— Oh, lead- you're leaving one out. Uh, I'll
1: let you get to him, man. Fly ball. Right field off the end of the bat. Castellanos coming on. He makes the catch. To paraphrase Joe Davis, saves the game. What a catch, Jack. Incredible play by Castellanos. The Rem- second time this postseason. I got deja vu.
0: Reminiscent of his play in Atlanta. It was better than the one
1: in Atlanta. I agree. In Atlanta, A, first of all, the catch was just better. But in Atlanta, if he misses the ball, it's tied. You know, yeah. Philly still have a chance. If that ball gets night, down, the Astros win. Top of the 10th, I mean, if that, ball, if that ball touches the grass... The Astros win, and now looking at the result of Game Two, Phillies are down two nothing. Yeah, I mean, what a play! I okay, so I was watching with some folks uh, here at Golden Bear South. I, I may have unconfirmed reports uh, dented a fridge uh, when Castiano struck out to Hector Neris. I I went on a, a – I shed a few tears. I was like, I hate him. I don't want him on my team. I can't do it anymore, Jack. I was a mess because Nick Castellanos is taking $20 of my dollars a year to do (laughs) nothing, to do nothing. His last home run is over two months ago. On August 27th, he's doing nothing. And then, of course, just to shove it in my face, he makes the game-saving catch, has the first RBI of the night for the Phils. Let's talk about this comeback, though. You mentioned it, the early runs in the first three innings. Kyle Tucker did everything he could to ruin my night. I mean, oh my goodness. We talked about the big bats in this lineup. Bregman, Altuve, Alvarez. Not once, maybe once or twice. Did we mention Kyle Tucker? Kyle, oh, the uh, the George Carlin, not Tucker, kept playing in my head. I was so mad. And then, you know, it's just fitting for him to come up just short trying to rob JT's home run. I mean, what a game for Tucker. That What, what was he, three hits? I think he had a single later in the game as well. So three hits-ish for Kyle Tucker, two home runs, Joe Davis said it on the broadcast, owning game one. It was a magical performance, but but not to be outdone, the Phillies scraped and clawed. Hoskins got it started. Uh, I believe he was on second, and Harper hit a single that absolutely should have scored him, but somehow Reese ends up only on third. It's first and third with two outs, and especially with two outs, you think this inning's over for the Phillies. They just missed their chance to, to scrape one across, and then here comes who but. Nick Castellanos uh, to hit, to hook a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a shot. It wasn't hit all that hard, but it was hooked into left field to pick up uh, Bryce Harper. That's the biggest thing. That's the, it's so demoralizing if you get that hit, Jack, and then the run doesn't score. You know what I mean? But the fact that they scored that one run, I was like, there's a chance. You don't see the Phillies pick each other up like that. And then you go above and beyond Alec Bone, rope one to left, scores two more. You mentioned that. And then of course J T with his two big heroic hits, uh, one in the very next inning, one after that. I do we have to get to a notebook here?
0: Well we will in one second, but yeah. you
1: know, one more point is Justin Verlander by statistics is the worst World Series
0: pitcher of <laughs> all time. In seven World Series starts, he has a 6.07 ERA. This uh, is
1: this is from the bottom of my heart check. I don't think it was a mistake to keep him in for that inning. I do, 100%. Because the your offense inning. showed that they were clicking tonight. The fifth inning. they sh- He should have been out no, of that game I, after four. I Ford. think it was fine because what they're trying of to do Of course you're going to say that you're a Phillies fan. No, though. no, 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 no. From the Astros' perspective, I would have been fine with keeping him in. He gave up three. Like I said, there was like some bloops in there. It wasn't a lot of hard conte. It was like the Bryce hit was hit hard, but that was only a single. The Boehm double was really the most concerning thing. Those are two hits. I think it was fine to keep him in, especially if you... I think Dusty Baker was betting he could get a few more runs and keep the game a little a little open. But, Phillies came all the way back. It was the largest comeback in Phillies postseason history. It was incredible. I don't think the decision to keep Verlander in there is as bad as everyone says it is. It could have gone either way. I would have... If I'm an Astros fan, I would have been okay keeping him. This is from a completely unbiased point of view, actually. Um, I, I think... uh. Arenola, on the other hand, needs to, you know, I'll save it. I'll save it for the preview. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just, yes, we will. going to get ugly.
0: And we do have a quick message on the KUer notebook. Attention, KU community. Are you ready to get lit 3.0? Come join the well-being. Yes, question mark. Come join the well-being committee on Wednesday, November 16th for an evening full of fun activities. These activities include the annual tree lighting, goat yoga, oh. massages, <laughs> a silent dance party, making your own sensory box, and much more. Activities begin at 4 p.m. and last throughout the night. We hope you can get lit with yeah. us. This message of community interest <laughs> is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kitsan University KR. Welcome back to every Love that Jack word Hine, play. Mitchell Smedley. We were recapping game one of the World Series, the Phillies' epic comeback, Justin Verlander's collapse and everything in between. Uh, you know, talking about Verlander, look, we disagree on whether it was the right move to take him out, but look. The fact of the matter is, after the Phillies get three in the fourth, Marsh leads off on an opposite field double. Schwarber walks, so there's two on with nobody out. If That's I'm, the
1: moment you can take him out. I would agree can with that. You take him out there. But look, it's still, he waited till the game was
0: tied to take him out, and the tie's already turned at that moment. All the momentum was in the Phillies' favor, and people's, you know, momentum is, well, momentum doesn't really mean anything. Well, it does hold a rain of salt. The factor does go into play. Phillies' whole postseason's because, momentum. Exactly. You know, the Astros... Struck first, boom, five runs in the first two innings. The momentum was riding with them through the first Three innings, really. But then they punched back in the middle innings and they swung it their way. And then it was a battle of the bullpens. And then Dusty makes another questionable call going to Luis Garcia instead of Ryan Stanek in game one. Then JT takes into the opposite field for that home run. Yep. And then, really, after that home run, you know, you really had no confidence that the Astros would come back, even though they had the second and third. Just because Levin DS is at the plate and he's not a good hitter. No,
1: I had full confidence. How many times have I watched a Phillies game where up by one and then what was it? Like a double? Uh, and then a walk yeah, it was the intentional, unintentional walk. And then yeah. the past ball, I was like, I've seen this movie before. I have absolutely seen this happen. But Sosa made the sure handed play over at uh, over at third base there. I was absolutely shocked. Eleven times out of ten, the Phillies lose that game. And by the way, what a horrific bat by Leb Means Oh I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, mean, I must Dude, come to say it first.
0: Leans into a two 0 pitch to on, try to man. intentionally get hit.
1: When his run doesn't matter. There's already the winning run on base. If you get on first, it doesn't matter.
0: It means literally nothing. Dude, stay in there hit, will you please? Yeah. So he leans into a 2-0 pitch,
1: and then he flails at a 3-0
0: slider that's going out of the zone. Why are you swinging 3-0 with two in scoring position, two out? Take the pitch. You would have walked anyway.
1: Yeah. You would have moved the needle to put the next
0: guy. You you would have got the first base, put McCormick in the position to get the hit to win. So, I mean, terrible approach, terrible at bat. Disgusting. And then he swings at a 3-1 pitch and rolls over to third. So, I mean
1: terrible at bat. Speaking of terrible for Houston, the the crowd in game one. You're in the World Series, folks. That place was dead. Even when they were winning, it wasn't a World Series atmosphere. Philly's about to show them how it's done tonight. In the rain, on a Monday, Philly is about to show up Houston like you will not believe, Jack. And and we'll
0: talk about that in a little bit in our preview. We're going to move to game two now. Astros, they bounce back. They win this one 5-2, but really Philly never felt out of it. Uh, It was one of those things where Houston struck early. I mean, you know the approach of this Astros team is that they are a patient team. They get in deep counts and then they make you work for, it and they get and they make you pay late in that's, the at bat. That
1: didn't show, but they
0: flipped the script here <laughs> at the start game one. Three of the Zach first Wheeler. four
1: pitches were doubles. Jack. Yep,
0: and what the Astros are, are the Yep, Astros are the only team in postseason history to lead off a game with three consecutive doubles or slash extra base hits. I thought that was a very intriguing status, not one that's like, oh wow, it's going to knock your socks off. But I'm like, I found that interesting because if every World Series that's ever been played, they're the only team to get three consecutive extra base hits to start a game phenomenal. But yeah, three straight doubles. It was the first doubles. two
1: pitches and they had a run. I was like, "What's going on?"
0: Yep, first pitch, Altuve rips a double into the left field corner, then Peña comes up, he rips a double, and then Alvarez goes opposite field just out of the reach of Schwarber to bring in Peña and make it 2-nothing early.
1: Uh and then, know, then the I, error in the first inning by the yeah. Phillies. That's what made me feel out of it cuz you know, it was four pitches in. Wheeler can settle down. I had confidence. The Bregman home run We'll get to if that happened, like if that would have happened, if the game's different. But two nothing and three nothing, especially in the first, I think are so different because you know the saying is a bloop and a blast, right? Yeah, you know you get the bloop single or a walk, and then you know there's thump in this in this Philly lineup, and that game could have been tied very quickly. However, you know because there's more pressure on the Astros pitching in that situation. However, the error who was it Hoskins that just didn't catch the ball. Yeah,
0: so it was yeah. a bad throw from Sosa, but as a first baseman, I played first base. I mean, it's not like I played at a high level, <laughs> but I still played the position. And I know what it takes. Look, you got to have your glove more open than that. And that's a play you got to make. You're a major league first baseman. That's a scoop that most players should be able to pick out of the dirt. Hoskins couldn't do it as 3 nothing. But I want to talk about the play before that. Yeah. Jordan Alvarez hurrying back to second base, and tagging on a Matt Vierling that was really napping. I mean, he was not expecting Alvarez to tag it. What are you doing, buddy? He catches it, and he's like, oh, oh, my, he's actually going to third base. i got to fire it in. And then it's really a bad throw that, boom, you know, he tried to make the best play to get that catch a quick tag down, it got by him, Wheeler was backing it up. But that's a huge play because if Alvarez doesn't tag there, that third run doesn't score. Yeah, um, it or, is I mean, important. It's hypothetical because it would have been first and third two out. so you never know what... Well, assuming that the that.
1: same sequence occurred, which was an out on the next
0: play. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you, you never really know with how one thing can change. But exactly. still, the error, you know, the tag from Alvarez, it was a smart baseball play. Uh, and then the error frame brings him in, 3 nothing. I mean, that made it a brand new inning, really, because you mentioned it perfectly. Two runs to three in the first inning is a big difference. It's so huge. Because you get like a little, you know, you mentioned Bloop in the Blast. You get a little, you know, dink single, and then one guy just hits it out of the ballpark. And then you're right back in it. It's tied. exactly. And how
1: different does that look? If, if the Schwarber bat just goes a little different, if, if the ball goes a little more left on the first. So Kyle Schwarber, I think it was like the set, seventh inning. seventh inning. Kyle Schwarber no, no. comes up. Uh, I, I think thought it was the 8th. It was the 8th. I thought it was Yeah, it was, it was against eighth. Montero in the 8th. Because he came in in the 7th and then Montero could do in the 8th. So ahead. a little backstory, and I'll talk about a few different points with this point of view. I was actually watching with uh, a bunch of people, and uh, one of them was my dad. And when he hit the foul ball, it, my dad thought it was foul, but then they signaled home run, right? So everyone's jumping up to, oh my god, wow! Right? So then they reviewed it, obviously, and Schwarber came back. For those that aren't aware, Schwarber hit what appeared to be a deep foul ball that was called a home run, and then upon crew chief review, uh, it was changed to a foul ball. Obviously, um, well then the I, it was I think it was the very next pitch, Schwarber launches one to right deep right field, and it is caught at the wall. Yeah, right in front of the wall. But my father. And we were all, like, there were a bunch of people there. It was loud. There were a bunch of people in front of the TV. Maybe not a bunch. There were a few. I keep saying, like, it was this huge function. <laughs> it was, like, five of us. <laughs> but there were people around or whatever. And um, and the, the ball is hit. And my dad thought it left the yard. And because I'm backed up, because I'm still mad about the, the foul ball. I wasn't right up at the TV. I wasn't listening to Joe Davis. I went off my dad saying, it's gone. And, oh, the celebration was on. And it took uh, my buddy George... To tell us that no, indeed, uh, that was caught for an out, <laughs> I believe an inning-ending out, um, and, and it was super, super depressing. But if that ball travels another couple feet, how different is that game? You know what I mean? If it's four to, th- if it's four to one at the time, it's four three, and the tying run is going to be up at the plate. So many small things in this in this game uh, game two here. It did not go the Phillies' way. No, and that was Absolutely. actually the first out of the inning. Oh, was it the first? Because Stott oh, wow. went off of the walk. So that would have been 5-3 and
0: nobody out. And then you got Hoskins, JT, and Harper coming up. Right. I and mean, that completely changes the dynamic of the inning. It completely shifts. Because ships. Montero wasn't really dealing his best to begin with. I mean, he was struggling. Uh, you know, Long at-bat with Stott. Gets on with the 12-pitch at-bat for the walk. Then he gets that deep fly out for Schwarber. How about then Stott Hoskins... continuing
1: to do that, by the way?
0: Yeah, another big at-bat Every from game. Bryson Stott. Uh, then Hoskins strikes out. JT singles, but it was an error because Altuve just fell asleep and didn't even go to second base. So mm-hmm. Pena tried to flip, and no one was there. But then Harper, you know, flies out the shallow left center to Pena, who
1: goes back and makes the catch, ends the inning. Yep. Uh, but this is such a different game if that Schwarber ball, if either one of them leaves the yard. Uh, that's the story of this of this these first two games. There were small things that allowed the Astros to win in or to lose in in game one. You know, Castellanos mm-hmm. making that catch. If that ball's hit. And and Castellanos was actually playing deep, and Schwerber told him to get in. Yeah. Uh, if he's still playing there, Astros win. Which is really interesting because the score looked lopsided. It, uh, I, personally, I was the only one in that room. I was like, this game's over. When they went up 3-0, I said, this game is over. Watch. That, that third run felt crippling. And, and everyone else was like, no, we're still in it. Remember last night? But I was like, this one feels different. And the Phillies never really had traction. They scraped one across in the... Sixth, I think.
0: Yeah, they got one off Framber. Yeah. Because Castellanos hits the double. They move him over to third, and then, you know, out comes, uh, you know, in comes Montero. They get a sack fly. It's 5 yeah. 1. So but, it's
1: 5 1. And then the only other one they got was,
0: what was it, an error in the ninth or a double? Yeah, it was an error by Gurriel that yeah, let the run score so. on the Marsh uh, grounder. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they,
1: they never really felt it. They scraped two across. This game didn't feel close. However, if. Two or three very small things change in this game. It's such a different outcome, which is all you can ask for from a World Series. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the Phillies are absolutely outmatched. I don't think this talk of, well, this is what we expected from the Astros. No, you saw in game one, they can go toe-to-toe with the bullpen. Yeah. Which was like, that's a huge advantage. Astros, the Phillies just outdid the Astros' bullpen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great series. These next couple games are going to be fantastic. This is going to be as good of a series as we could have possibly asked for. Yes. Um, Well, we will step aside for our first break of today's show. When we come back, wrapping up our discussions on game one and two of the World Series and shifting into our preview, excuse me, of games three and four right here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Cassandra University. (laughs) K.U.R. Cuts down. Stay with us. And welcome back to Heavy right here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, K-U-R Kutztown. Mitch, we have one more point to talk about yeah. from Game 2. This is uh,
1: really—well, Game 1 and 2. So it broke during the early innings of Game 2 that uh, Fox Fox did their—it was the sideline reporter, right? Yeah, Tom Verducci. Yeah, Verducci on the broadcast said that uh, the Astros catcher, I believe, in the in Game 1— why can't it, he hit the RBS single? Uh, what's his name? Maldonado. Maldonado, yes. Maldonado apparently was using a bat designed by Albert Pujols that was apparently an illegal bat. It did not meet the requirements for MLB bats, and he was using an illegal bat in the World Series. <clears throat> How that's a bigger story, by the way, I don't know. It's kind of been swept away. Whatever. The Phillies won the game. He got, like, one single. It's not a huge deal. Uh, however, the, uh, there's been speculation. I will put that in all caps. It is SPECULATION that uh, the pitcher for the Astros... Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez was using some sort of illegal substance in Game 2. He was checked by the umpires. They never came away saying they found anything. However, I was reading an article where Reese Hoskins, you know, it was brought up to him, and he said, oh, I, I don't buy that. And then he was uh, told about how uh, Valdez switched gloves midway through the game. And he thought that was kind of weird because you usually don't see a pitcher ever do that unless the glove breaks. And he said he didn't he didn't see that happen, uh, which also this is the part I was telling Jack about over the break. That coincided to me with him losing his command toward the later innings, uh, but, as I also told Jack. That could have also just been a pitcher late in a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, by the time he started to get, you know, hit a little bit more by the Phillies, he was in the ninety pitch range. I mean, look, that's when most you starting pitchers that. get tired. I mean, yeah. it's called fatigue. It happens to every starting pitcher when you throw that many pitches and get up there. You're going to start to lose your stuff from when you first start when you're ramping it up and you're throwing as fast as you can in the early going because the momentum and the adrenaline is there. Um, not momentum. I don't know why I said that, but the adrenaline of a postseason game, you're firing all cylinders in the first inning. So and early in the game, so. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not going to be a person who's going to sit here and say, oh, he's cheating, or oh, he's not cheating. I'm going to wait for more stuff to come out because I don't want to be a person who jumps the gun and says, oh, he did this, he certainly did this, and then it's proven wrong. So it's just, do I take it with a grain of salt? Yeah, the speculation is certainly there, and it's fair for people to have their opinion of speculation. Mm-hmm. You know, did it look like his pitches had more life and more juice than in prior starts this year? I'm going to say not really. I'm not a person who sits down and watched every Astro game or every Framber Valdez start. But there's a reason this guy had a streak of 20, uh, you know, an incredible amount of quality starts. I forget exactly what number. But he had, I think, a record-setting streak of, uh, you know, high-quality starts uh, during the stretch of this season. So, I mean, this guy's a very good pitcher. Could he be cheating? Maybe. But
1: he's also had really good stuff all year. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, um, I will say there was a Nick Castellanos quote. I'll have to find it. It was something along the lines of, uh, like, the way it was curving, it shouldn't be able to do that. Or something. It was, you know, something like he's never seen this degree of stuff before. Uh, which is interesting because I believe the Phillies just played him uh, in the series to get into the postseason. So, he, you know, he had a close person to look at him. Now, that's just one hitter. That, that's also Nick Castellanos who hasn't hit a home run since August 27th. So it seems like everything seems like it shouldn't be able to do that for him. Um, because he's just not a good hitter right now. I, I don't know. Do I think the Astros are cheating? I'm with Jack. I'm going to have to wait for more to come out. I think the bat story sounded pretty legit. Uh, it sounded like that was like an open shut. He did this? It did, but it was also reported
0: that like the model, the bat was like, in quotes, grandfathered into the league. So I don't really know. Right. So that seems odd. That, yeah. That just seems really weird. It just seems like a weird situation.
1: I'm not going to come out it like it's, I, it's It's not, not blatantly like, cheating. It's not atrocious. It's not like, oh my God, Maldonado, how could you do that to yeah. baseball? But I'm not like I'm not thrilled about it because the Astros have their history. And this is what I was telling uh, Regs when he saw me this morning and we were briefly talking about this in the hallway, Jack. I said, Regs, this isn't going away for them. They can have all the success they want over the next few years. But in this generation, this scandal from 2017 is not going anywhere. This is going to keep coming up. It's going to pop up at times, and it's going to gain traction because it's the Astros. It's just like the Patriots. That's not going away, in my opinion. And, and it, it's terrible for their fans. It's terrible for the new players and the new faces in that organization that had nothing to do with that. But the fact of the matter is the baseball world sees them, and the, uh, the outside world sees them as shady and cheaters, and that's going to follow them for a while.
0: Yeah, but you know, I'm looking at the a video here and it shows him rubbing the ball and rubbing his right hand. It it's nothing. It, you know, if you're using a substance more than likely it's going to have color unless you're using like a very intricate system of, you know, what you put on your hand. And you know, a very common, you know, popular combination among pitchers is using the rosin bag behind the mound and your sweat because it can make it a little bit easier to grip the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at his hand, it it's it's a little shiny, but also like think about when you like profusely sweat, like your hand is it, it's, I would say, like, stickier and, like, it's just... Glistening. Yeah, it's glistening. Like, your hand, like, if you're, like, profusely sweating and you have a lot of sweat on your arms... Yeah. Like, your, your hands, your arm's going to look a little shinier than it does normally because the It's sweat like Musgrove's
1: ears. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, I,
1: look... And here's the thing I, I liked, uh, actually, about what Valdez said after the game. He was asked about it. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was a really cool sports psychology moment where he talked about how uh, he'll rub up against things to distract a hitter. To put that thought, oh, he's cheating. He's rubbing something. He's doing this. To get in their head. To use the 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 um atmosphere of the game of all this concern about rubbing substances and stuff against the hitter, even when he's not doing it. Which could have been a cover up. But I think if that's legit, like that's a really cool little tidbit that, that he he let he let loose there.
0: Yeah, and he was also asked about the switching of the glove. You know, I'm looking here and it said uh Framber said it's not the first time he switches glove in the middle of the game. Also, why would you switch up your glove because you what? Because you couldn't get the yeah, sticky why? stuff on the other glove? Yeah. Like, if you couldn't get it on one glove, well, you're going to change to another glove and
1: get it to work? I don't maybe know. Got that's it just out weird. Before they could inspect it? I, I, have maybe, no, like, I don't know. Was it's, it... Maybe it coincided with... After the Bregman home run and they went up 5 nothing and he's like, I don't need it anymore. Maybe. That would be my theory, is once it got out of hand to 5 nothing, uh Valdez figured, okay, well, I don't want to risk still using it and get caught, so let me just... Let me just yeet this over to the dugout. But that... Let me let me again say that is all my speculation all my speculation on a hypothetical that's nothing real but so that's that's the situation down in Houston series is coming to Philly jack we got to preview two more games it is yeah uh, we do have to
0: uh preview these games look games 3 and 4 are going to be very interesting oh <laughs> because of the order that rob thompson has decided to throw these pitchers in it's going to be a bullpen game tonight Uh, That's what it is. Syndergaard hasn't thrown more than 35 pitches in the postseason. In fact, the last time he threw that many pitches was in the LDS against Atlanta. I believe it was Game 4, right? Uh, Yes, because that was the the closing game at home. They went Ranger for Game 3, so they went Syndergaard for Game 4. And they used Falter against the Padres. Yeah. So, you know, it's a smart move because if you look at the Astros' number against left-handed pitching, they crushed left-handed pitching. uh, You would be throwing Bailey Falter in a position to not succeed. Who just gave up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Exactly. By the way. You know, not, it's, a, it's a smart move to go with Syndergaard, but look, you're going to have to trust your bullpen here. Syndergaard is going to have to go three to four innings. If he goes less, it's really going to put a lot of pressure in this bullpen.
1: Because... Just you know give me three, Noah. I, that's, yeah. that's what he did against Atlanta. He gave up. One hit, it was a solo shot. The solo home run will not beat you. If he's in the zone, we'll be okay. But we've seen Syndergaard can't find the zone at times. He just cannot do it. Yeah, he's a little erratic. So the control problem is there
0: on his pitches. He can get a little wild at times. Yeah, look, three to four. Four would be the best-case scenario. Oh, scenarios. if he goes four, I'm, I'm partying on Broad Street. And three would be an ideal situation. Anything less than that would not be good. Now, my only concern is that, look, if the Astros have gotten the starts they have against Wheeler and Nola, what will they do to Syndergaard if they can strike fast and strike first? That's my situation. But another counterpoint to that would be, well, A, it isn't in Houston. It's in Philadelphia. Oh, we'll see with let's the talk like, about it. Yes. Now my point here is I'm not when I say this I am not going to discredit what the Philly fans are going to bring tonight. They are a very passionate group, uh, despite my my disliking and displeasure of the team and the fan base. That's look, one of the most electric look, stadiums you've they, seen. They they bring the heat. Yes. Uh, they they pack that stadium. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. But but to your point about the Astros being there with their history of cheating, this isn't a non familiar thing. They've gone into plenty rowdy environments that have given them uh, their fair share of hatred
1: slash. Um, oh, I can't wait to see what the Philly fans come up with, Jack. The yeah. chants are going to be so funny.
0: It's not like they haven't dealt with They've dealt with this before, and they've dealt with it from some of the worser crowds in terms of the harassment side of things. You know, the Dodgers, when they made their trip there, they were giving them, you know, everybody from adults to kids were yelling curse words and uh, things at the players. So, look, they, they've they dealt with these kind of rowdy and, you know, hostile environments before. I don't think this is going to be an atmosphere that rattles the Astros because they've been here before. This is a team that... they. They've played in the World Series. They've played in the biggest stage many times. Uh, we'll see what the Philly environment brings to them, and let's see if it does affect them. But in my personal opinion, I don't think this is gonna, this is not an environment uh, that the Astros haven't played in types of before. I don't know if it's going to be as loud. I don't know if they've played in as loud of environments as Philly will mm-hmm. bring. But the, the in terms of the, uh, you know, the chants and the, uh, you know, the jeers, I don't think they've— I mean, they've seen this stuff before, and it's not going to get under their skin and affect them, I don't well, think.
1: Well, I think if there's—I w- I think for the most part, you're correct. But I think the one person that Philly has a, a tendency to rattle is a pitcher. When we get a couple runners on, we can get in a pitcher's head like no other fan base I've seen. I'm sure it's happened elsewhere but throughout this playoffs it just seems like that's what has done it. that's forcing the mistake just leaving a pitch a few inches you know out over the plate than more than they intended uh and that could just be a pitcher making a bad mistake but I can't help but think because those big mistakes the home runs the Phillies have hit. You know, save like the two in San Diego. They came at home. The big mistakes that the Phillies are capitalizing came at home, and I just think it has to do with the Philly fans. Yeah, I I can agree with that. It's relentless from the first pitch. They're chanting, "Ah, Musgrove, Musgrove!" You know, like from the first pitch, it's insane.
0: My thing is uh, the the atmosphere. This you know the Phillies have had success at uh, Citizens Bank. I think undefeated they're this postseason. undefeated this postseason. I think in their history they're twenty one and nine in postseason games at Citizens Bank. Let me get a. Uh, I will check that real quick. Um, but you know this has been a team that's been very successful at home. They fed off the environment. You know Harper and Schwarber and Hoskins. They've all capitalized at home. JT's gotten in the mix there too. My interest is that this Astros depth in starting pitching. Is the best the Phillies have seen throughout the entire postseason. Lance McCullers is the best three starter they face. When Lance McCullers has his A game, he's good enough to be a one slash co ace type guy. He's that good when he is fully on. He's got nasty movement on his pitches, and he's a guy who's relaxed. If you look at Lance McCullers' pitch, you know, you go back, look at some of his film, you look at the way he's pitched in big postseasons before, he's a guy who just finds a way to keep his composure, keeps under control. I'm going to see that's going to be an interesting factor to look at tonight because, again, we mentioned the
1: those are going to be the dueling in. forces. Yeah. yeah,
0: you know, the battle of this Philly crowd to get under the, you know, get under the skin and get McCullers a little rattled. I'm going to be interested to see how that works. But look, McCullers, like I mentioned, he's the best three that the Phillies have seen uh throughout no their doubt. playoff run. We'll see. And they have Christian Javier coming up in game four, and he's no slouch either. We'll talk about him in a little bit and what stuff he possesses. But for McCullers, he's gonna to have to have the movement on that nasty breaking stuff. Uh that fastball is gonna to have to be located well. He's a guy who he doesn't have a you know fiery, he's not a flamethrower, but he's a guy who you know. Succeeds lives and dies with fastball location. If he can paint the corners of the fastball, get you with the slider and the curveball and the breaking stuff has a lot of movement on it. That's when he's at his best. We'll see if he can come with that tonight for Cindergard. Look, his main pitch, his bread and butter is that sinker. Uh, he did it with the Mets when he was in his prime. Uh, you know, his bread and butter is the sinker to fastball switch. He can he, and he can get you with that slider too. He's a guy who hits you with a couple different pitches. Uh, movement is heavy. If he's getting that, you know. Instead of bouncing the sinker, he's getting it to move downward, but it's keeping it close enough to the zone where hitters chase. I'm interested to see what the Phillies will get out of Syndergaard tonight. Yeah. It's you know the the duration of how long he lasts to start this game is going to be critical to whether the Phillies succeed tonight or they fall at home. You know they haven't you mentioned they haven't lost a postseason game at home yet. Um, do know these next two to three games are going to be really telling on how this series goes because the Phillies have to. They have to take one of these next two. They have to take two And or three if they at take home. and if they take tonight, if they take tonight, it'll be a real big step on to getting that World Series title. I think game three is going to be huge. If they can get the McCullers early, they haven't really gotten to Verlander or Valdez early. The Phillies have really done their damage in the series the second and third times, you know, through the batting order. That's really when they have gotten to these starting pitchers a little bit. They got to Verlander second time more, way more than they got to Framber. But we'll see. We'll see. Can the Phillies kind of change the dynamic and strike early at home tonight, feed off that environment? I'm looking for Bryce Harper to make to step up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Didn't really He's contribute been quiet a whole this lot. Series. No yeah. extra base hits, no RBIs in the first two games in Houston. They really were able to quiet him. Lance McCullers excels against pitching against lefties. So Schwarber and ha- uh, not Hoskins, Schwarber and Harper might struggle a little bit tonight. Yep. But you know, then you got to look to Reese and JT to pick up the slack. You know,
1: well, and do, I'll throw do what they've been doing. out there. You were talking about how <clears throat> McCullers isn't a, th- a flamethrower. He's a location and and breaking ball kind of guy, and the guy that I think really will ex- uh, will excel with that sort of pitching. The guy that always is late on fastballs, but can handle a pitch ten inches out of the zone. Look for Gene Segura tonight. You know he's had a couple moments this postseason. Look for Gene down in that eight hole. Uh, he was seven. He's usually eight. Look for him in the in the back end of that lineup to just come up with a back breaking hit at some point tonight. Absolutely. You know, in, in
0: terms of depth of this lineup too, look, the Philly seventh through 9ers have struggled. They've struggled at the postseason except for Gene, and that's kept up this series. You know, well, Marsh Stott's doing good things. Stott Stott put in a couple good at bats. Marsh had a He had know, that one home run. He had that's that one it. home and run. Otherwise
1: he needs to be out of my lineup. I can't take it. It's
0: just like Look, you know, really, whoever they're throwing out there, look, Sosa is not a threat with the bat. No, oh, Veerling has looked what Veerling has looked like. He's not a guy who's.
1: He's only played a couple games this postseason.
0: Which yeah. is disappointing. Yeah, and Matt he, usually comes up with a timely hit. Yeah, and when he's had his chances, he hasn't really done much. With exactly. Them. So, like, look, the thing is with this Phillies team, it's it's been the top six guys in the order, and then Gene, so really six to seven. But I mean, I'm not trying to say that it's like it's a bad thing. I mean, it's a deep line. Most teams, yeah, yeah, it's a deep lineup. But that's what you would expect for a team that's in the World Series. My thought is, is that. Who is going to be the guy for the Phillies to step up at home? You know, it's you look at Harper and he's the obvious choice because he's a star. Of this team. he's done he's it. He's the yeah. leader. He's done it. He's played well at home. He's fed up this environment. But in terms of a, you know pitcher McCullers, he like I mentioned earlier, he pitches very well against left-handed batters. How does Schwarber and Harper find a way to combat that and respond? And let's see if they can get to McCullers tonight. Well, I have a point That's to bring up, Jack.
1: Well. So the Phillies, uh, in the Braves series, they lost Game 2, right? Yes. They've lost Game 2 in all three uh, the last series now. Yep. How did they lose Game 2, Jack? You remember what scored the first run for the, for the Braves there? Oh. Um, it was two outs, runners on the corners, and Reese Hoskins made an error. Yep. All right. Last night, Phillies scored two runs. What scored the third run for the Astros? A A Reese Hoskins error. But it was charged to Sosa. Which should not have happened. But the point stands. After that error, Reese Hoskins, in his second at bat in Philly, launched one of the most iconic home runs in Philly's history. Reese Hoskins and Gene Segura will be the two guys to watch at the plate tonight. I'm calling a Reese home run once again. Joe Davis said it. Reese Hoskins' redemption has been the theme of this postseason we're going 3 Pete Jack. We're going 3 separate times. Bring it on. Okay. Well, certain
0: certain Oh my goodness, why is that the,
1: the parallels are undeniable. This is yeah. this is going to happen. It's, this is this is going to happen. It's going to be a fun couple games. Could uh, be a grand we're take slam by the Our
0: way. last break. Ooh, interesting. Oh, yeah.
1: Let me No, I I I'm not calling a grand slam. It's going to be a big home run though. All right.
0: Well, that's Mitch's prediction. Reese Hoskins does hit a big home run in Game Three tonight. We are going to step aside for our final break of Hour Number One. When we come back, wrapping up our World Series discussion and shifting into the NFL to wrap up Hour Number You're One here. here on Heavy Hitters, right here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University KUR. Stay with us and welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, right here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University KUR. Kutztown. Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley sitting to my left. We're getting back into wrapping oh, up here. our World Series discussion. You are here, munching on some back goldfish for a second. Eating your
1: goldfish. Just outing me like that.
0: Okay. I know, dude. I'm only saying that because goldfish are such a well-liked snack.
1: They're the snack that
0: smiles back. I mean, that's the great slogan they do. They do. They do. They do, they do smile back. It's
1: incredible, Dude, I eat so many goldfish, it's not even funny. Goldfish? Not sponsored, by the way.
0: Mi- yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> Mitchell's diet consists of chicken fingers and fries. Oh, chicken nuggets and fries. No, chicken and-
1: fingers predominantly. Chicken yeah. nuggets only exist uh, here uh, and fast food. Uh-huh. Wendy's, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, you know. You know the huge, the huge. I can't make that joke on air. What? <laughs> Nothing. I can't. What? Say it. I can't say it. Oh
0: no. It involves a fast food place and a joke. Who I think you know where I'm going with that. I
1: have no idea. I'm very okay. interested. I'll tell you all fair. All right. Um all
0: right. Getting back to the MLB discussion wrapping up. <laughs> we talked about game 3, who could be the impact bat for the Philly, who could be the impact player at the plate for the Phillies.
1: Also, Look, quick note by the way. We were just talking about. I brought up Gene is my man to watch.
0: Yeah, me. I
1: Gene. wanted my man to watch to come in in the tenth inning of Game One. I thought, uh, and, and there's no way Rob would have done it, but I think um, Bellotti is a better pitcher than David Robertson, and I would have liked him to close out the game. Personally, uh huh. And and could you imagine me coming in here with with Andrew Bilotti getting the save in the most historic Phillies comeback after I just called him to be the guy?
0: That would have been oh, crazy. It was set
1: up, Jack. It was right there, Rob. It, it was, was right, right there. there. <laughs> he Whoa. went to Robertson. <laughs> and, and what if aside, What if he didn't go to Ranger and he goes to Robertson and then brings uh, Like, There's so many ways it could have happened to prove me right. And I get that's selfish, but at least we won the game. Yeah,
0: you won the game. Yeah. Well, we will wrap our game through discussion preview game four really quickly. Yep. Uh, impact bad, I think, in my mind for the Astros. Look, you know, this is an obvious answer. I'm going to preface it with that. But look, <laughs> Altuve... He snapped out of his skit. He had a three-hit game, too. He's looked like he's back to the Jose Altuve we've all known, the guy who's won three batting titles. He looks like he's back. Uh, he struggled in the LDS and the LCS, but now he's finally awoken in the World Series. I think he could be That's a scary. big presence tonight uh, to start the game off with some fireworks. Not saying a home run, but maybe another extra base hit off of Cindergaard. We'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, in terms of a depth guy, maybe Chaz McCormick. He's oh, had a good series. He has that name.
1: He has that name that just, it'll eat away at the Phillies fans. Like, um, like uh, who is it, Chaz Grisham? Trent. Trent, Trent Grisham. Grisham. No, no, no. I'm thinking of the Marlin. Oh. Oh. Chains oh. guy. Chisholm. Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm. 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 Yes. Dude, that name just eats away at my I soul. I don't like him either. I hate that I don't. I don't like him either. I can't stand, and Chaz McCormick just has that name. Yeah, he does. Chaz McCormick. Oh, Funny thing
0: is, he's a he's a local product. No way. He's born in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, I did hear that. And yeah. he went to Millersville. He went PSAC to. I school. did see that. Yeah, so, a rival. Yeah. Interesting PSAC zone. He's you know popping out, playing pretty well in the playoffs and in the World Series. But yeah, you know he could be a guy in the depth terms of things to come up with a little bit of a you know.
1: McCormick sends field. one in the air, right field.
0: Yep, goes Back to the opposite field. It's gone. Chaz McCormick. Has Give given the Astros the lead. We were just on the same page <laughs> that think, was, the whole way.
1: Oh, that scares me how in sync we were on that. Yeah, that's that makes you think it could happen. Basically, going to happen now.
0: That makes you think it could definitely happen. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm gonna cry. Okay. But well, then, but then Gene Segura is gonna answer in the bottom of the inning. How about okay. that? Okay. How about another that? another Mitchell prediction for tonight? He's I'm just gonna, I said Gene. I'm gonna stick with Gene.
0: All right. Well, game four. It is Rangers. Wars has been the announced starter for the Phillies. TBD for Houston, but it's most likely gonna be Christian Javier. Uh, look, you know, these are two guys who are kind of opposites. You know, Ranger kind of feeds off that sinker uh, with the curveball. Pitches uh, to contact. Yeah, pitches to contact. Javier is a guy who can really overpower you. Uh, he struck out 13 Yankees earlier this Ooh. year in a seven-inning start. Not not in the postseason, but in the regular season. But he also went up to the Bronx and pitched pretty well again. Look, he's a guy that hits you with that overpowering fastball, comes back with the curveball. He's a guy who can hit you with that one-two power punch of pitches. Uh, And he can really make you pay. He's a guy who strikes out a lot of batters, doesn't allow a lot of hard contact. He's a guy who's really a a four-starter in this rotation, but would probably be a two or three in many other rotations. He's a guy who's got a lot of good stuff. It's going to be interesting to see what he pitches like in this series. But, you know, of course the focus is on tonight with McCullers versus Syndergaard. But that Game 4 matchup is going to be monumental because if Rangers are on, if both these pitchers are on, it's going to be fun fireworks from the pitchers. and It'll be a lower-scoring game. If one of these guys is off, one of these lineups can tee off and have a field day. So. I
1: like what I've seen from Ranger in the, in the two shortened uh, uh, appearances he's had out of the bullpen. It looks like he really has his stuff. I don't know how deep he goes into that game. And especially coming off of a bullpen game to, uh, tonight, that's going to be really difficult. Um, but then you got to look at the Phillies' bullpen. Can they continue keeping pace with the Astros' bullpen? They did it in Game 1 in an extended appearance for the bullpens. You know, that was six innings. Each. Uh and the Phillies gave up zero runs. So it's gonna be tough. Uh you need five good innings from five outstanding innings from Ranger to really uh help this series along. But it that is within the, the range of possibilities. I mean, look, you wanna go with the the negative approach that I've been going with for this this whole time and, and George was getting mad at me. So you're so negative. Come on. Uh I think we lose game three tonight. Bullpen game just doesn't feel good, right? Uh, But the Ranger game is winnable, and that's the swing game for me because you have to think, you have to think, when the season is on the line, Nola and Wheeler can produce. Because if they can't, it's not even worth talking about. If if Wheeler and Nola are losses, it's not even worth talking about the rest of the series. I assume that they're fine. They're good to go. We're at minimum going to be in those games. At most, you know, just going to have them. One in Philly, one in Houston. Yeah. And at that point, you're just looking for one more win. Over the course of a Ranger start, and I think another Ranger start in Game 7 is how it would line up.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting because both Nola and Wheeler struggled in Houston. Exactly. We might have to see one of them back again in Houston, and that would mean... It would be Wheeler. It would be Wheeler, and he got hit pretty early, then settled in. But, man, if, if Wheeler gets hit up again later in the series, then Game 7 is all hands on deck. Anyone, yeah. Everyone's available. I think even Nola would be available. But it's just, man, ooh. This series is incredible. Like, the way it's looking, it's trending. Anyone's series is 1-1. It's up for grabs. It's just like, you couldn't really ask for much better. I mean, no. look, I really, with every bone in my body, it is so displeasuring. And it gets under my skin so much that the Phillies are even in this position <laughs> to third begin with. Your division rival in but four years. That's got to be excruciating. It's it's so, it hurts so, so much. But at the end of the day, I'm a baseball fan, and yep. I just want to see quality baseball. I'm not rooting for the Phillies to win by How about way, what disclaimer. you
1: told me at the at the Halloween get together? I was just mad. No, no, everyone. Jack predicted the Phillies to win the World Series. I did. Unironically. I did. I did. It was not sarcasm, it was not irony. It was a full truth series prediction. And it was it was said very sullenly. Yeah. It we was. had the Philly we had the Phillies highlights from game one playing on the big board. And <sighs> uh Jack said, Yeah, the Phillies are gonna win the series. And as much as it hates me, by the way, uh, before we get to our notebook and move
0: on, yep. the Phillies aren't the first team to use "Dancing on My Own" as I animal. know
1: it's the Red yeah. Sox. Yeah, the Red Schwarber Sox in 2018. Yeah, Schwarber. I'm wearing the. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing the Schwarber shirt today, everybody. <laughs> by the
0: way, "Dancing on My Own" great song. Great uh, song. Uh, I I'm, keep dancing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna on. spoil that. No, we're gonna save Don't, it. No, no, no. We're gonna no, no, save no. it. No, 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 no. Little surprise coming, but we can't say what it is. I'm in the corner,
1: on KUR. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rhymed. Well.
0: We have a quick message from the KR Notebook. Attention, KU community. Want to join a campus club that has a focus on activism, racial justice, gender equity, self-empowerment, and anti-violence? If so, come join FMLA. FMLA meets every Tuesday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at room 104 in the Boxwood House. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutzen University. KR, KU. welcome back to have you everybody. final 10 minutes or so of hour number one. Yeah. We will shift from our Great World Series discussion over into the NFL realm of things. We're going to kick it off Thursday Night Football real quick. We're going to spend a little bit, you know, we're going to pick our games to deep dive into, but most of these are just going to be rapid reactions because we do have to get some other things in hour number two and time permitting. Um, but again, the Eagles, we will certainly spend a lot of time on because they are one of the local teams. Uh, but Ravens, Bucks, 27-22 on Thursday night. Lamar goes down to Tampa Bay, gets the win. Brady falls to 3-5. First time he's been this far. I think two games under five since 'o two.
1: First time he lost
0: three games in 20
1: years. Yeah, yeah. In a uh, row, that is. Three games in a row is in uh, 20 years. So, yeah. Brady it just looks awful. It just looks bad.
0: Well, this is coincidental, and it's not good news. But uh, speaking of the Ravens, headline just comes out. John Harbaugh says, Wide receiver Rashad Bateman's foot injury is more serious than originally thought, and Bateman will be out a couple of weeks. Wow. Tough loss there for the Ravens and a team that's already got a pretty porous wide receiver they room. a lot of injury problems. There. I you mean, do. even
1: Mark Andrews, you know, uh, I'm sitting here hoping and praying because uh andrews had a knee concern coming into the game leaves in the first quarter with a shoulder injury uh it said it was reported that it was very minor so hopefully i i think they play on monday night this week uh hopefully he can be back for that but you know andrews is he's their big target he is who they throw the ball to uh on top of bateman you know this this offense could really start to suffer and it's it's good that they got the win when they did because uh, they're going to need all hands on deck here in the coming weeks.
0: Yes, they do. Uh, big win for Baltimore, though. Lamar Jackson throws for a couple touchdowns. Backup tight end Isaiah Likely Isaiah gets Likely, in the end zone. Six or 77 in a touchdown. Maybe a little waiver wire pickup for you in fantasy if Andrews is a little bit out. He
1: was on the uh, he was on the stop sign killer's bench. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. But really, why would you start Likely when Andrews is there? Exactly. So. And everyone knew that. And I started Andrews because I'm like, I'm not benching Mark Andrews. And he got hurt. I knew the risk. Luckily, he got like six points before he left. But you know, just gotta hope he's okay. Gotta hope Bateman's okay. Uh, you know, fantasy football, NFL. It doesn't. It doesn't compare to the player's actual health. Absolutely,
0: so. couldn't have said it better, uh, Mitch. Per- put it perfectly. We're gonna go to the London game. Nine thirty. Broncos. Jags. Uh, mate. Broncos country.
1: Let's, Let's ride. ride. You got. You got to say it, British. Broncos country. Let's ride. Right. <laughs> Broncos governor. country. Let's ride, right, Governor. Right. <laughs> Let's ride. Uh, Let's ride. 2117. Let's ride. Let's, Let's ride! ride. That, that video will
0: never get old. It's so funny. It's so I funny. I love when
1: they edited it on the plane. Yeah,
0: they photoshopped it just doing it on the plane with the team flight
1: jokes. I oh, would absolutely kick that seat so hard if I were like sitting on a plane with someone that did that. <laughs> I can imagine it too. I've sat in front of many a talkative toddlers on airplanes. <laughs> Why does it just seem like a thing that would happen to you, Mitch? Like, it absolutely would! <laughs>
0: It just seems like a circumstantial thing that would happen to you most times when you board a plane. Yeah, good so. things happen
1: to those that yell about them. <laughs> <laughs> or crazy things happen to things people that yell about them. Uh, messed up the saying.
0: Quick stats, Russell Wilson, 252, one touchdown, one pick. Lat Murray and Melvin Gordon both find their way
1: into Lat-Murray. the end zone. <laughs> yeah, Lat Murray. It's Latavius. That's yeah. a British name. Lat. Latavius. Tight end Greg
0: Dolchich goes for... 87 yards. Don't even know who that guy is. Ah. But goes crazy. Look at him go. Jerry Judy, 63 and a touchdown. He could be a potential trade target at the deadline. Maybe, maybe 63 not. 63 and a touchdown. But uh Jags fall again. Dougie P in the group falls to two and six after their good start. It's falling and spiraling out of control here. But Etienne, first time uh, really starring in this backfield without James Robinson after the trade of the Jets. He goes for buck fifty-six and a touchdown on the ground, added six yards receiving, so not really much through the air. But Broncos win. Broncos country, let's ride. Right. They go to three and five, and Nathaniel Hackett keeps his job for now. Uh, we're gonna go to one of the crazier games of the Ooh. day. Full breakdown. Falcons, Panthers, NFC South uh, title Clash battle. Clash of titans here Jack. in the middle of the year. Yeah, this is the. Te- you know, these are two teams. I mean, these are guys who welcome Broncos yeah. country. That's right. Yeah. Linda's cameo here on uh, heavy hitters. Uh, 37-34, Atlanta wins a thriller in OT. I mean, the Panthers had chances at the chances
1: to they win the game. They won the game, basically, and then they didn't. And then they didn't. They had Deontay it, Foreman and is didn't. the second coming of Christian McCaffrey, apparently. Yes. Three touchdowns. Yes, it Three is. Three touchdowns. I mean, I, I I had know, a buddy. Who is this guy? Yeah, I well, I had a buddy that said, uh, who do I start, Foreman or uh, uh, do I bench Jonathan Taylor for Deontay Foreman? And I, I was like, are you crazy? It's Jonathan Taylor. So he ended up not starting Taylor or not starting Foreman. He started Taylor, and I, uh, he was down at the Eagles game. So while he was at the game, I was texting him: touchdown for Foreman, two touchdowns for Foreman, three touchdowns for Foreman. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Lamar went off anyways. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, yeah, Matt Matt had a good day. Apparently, he was at the Birds, and he got a fantasy win with Lamar Jackson. It sounds like yes, so. sir, Lamar Jackson, my
0: man. I'm gonna go to seven and one in my one league. Dude, I'm seven on one too. Lamar.
1: I am up by thirty-four with a kicker remaining against me. Yeah, so. I have
0: Evan McPherson tonight, and I'm up like one twenty to eighty-one. I'm against McPherson,
1: so, uh, one twenty to eighty-one. All right, so you just need him to not miss any field goals here.
0: I mean, it doesn't really matter. I won the week anyway. No, just be I'm, nice su- to I'm just the saying if he
1: misses, if he misses forty field goals, <laughs> if he misses forty field goals because the Bengals. Oh, can... he missed it badly. That's number thirty-six on the night. I mean, that call was from McPherson
0: week one. I know. So that that doesn't. Are you apply. nervous? <laughs> And why are you sweating?
1: Oh, we missed it badly. <laughs> oh, we missed it badly. It was Ion Eagle. And yeah. speaking of announcers, Kenny Albert got excited on the DJ Moore touchdown to tie the game. Should have won, the game. by the way. W- what a catch! My God, sixty-two yards. I'm sorry, sixty-two yards. <laughs> he, dude, uh, who's his partner? Who does he call games with? It's, uh, oh my. Oh, I'm gonna. F- I-, I forget. I can't think of it right But But he was literally like, oh, my God. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was incredible. Which usually they try to censor those words on yeah. the – bro- not censor them, but, you know, most broadcasters stay away from them. Then there's me, you know. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, then there's you, Mitch. <laughs> oh, my. I listen to country. What can I
0: say? So, yes, P.J. Walker with a play of the game that should have been, but it wasn't. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. D.J. Moore, 62 yards. He takes off the helmet during the touchdown celebration, gets a uh, sports night conduct penalty, I believe it. I uh, was, or maybe it was excessive celebration. One of the two. Sets <laughs> so the extra point back. Eddie Pinheiro misses it. Goes Badly. to overtime. Mario on the first possession. Throws an interception. Returned 54 yards to the Falcons, 20. Piñero, 33-yarder. Chance for the win. It is no it's good. It's the length of an actual extra point,
1: by the way. Actual extra point.
0: It is no good. Pinheiro misses it. Falcons get the ball back. They go down the field. And young Koo does what... <laughs> does what he does. Does what Pinero failed to do. Makes a 41-yard field goal, and the Falcons are riding with a win. They're 4-4 four and four, and at our top, the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. At a cooking 500, lead who, their division. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it at it's this been point that
1: storyline right there. Eight man.
0: weeks in, the Falcons are winning the division. Mind-blowing.
1: So boggling you're, you're telling me if the Panthers won that game, they're tied for the lead in the division. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow, they're an extra point away from being tied for first in the division. What is going 26? on?
0: Football. Oh my god. That's football. <laughs> yeah.
1: Panthers country. The NFL makes no
0: sense This, this is year. one of the
1: like weirdest and not necessarily the entertaining weird that I'm used to from the NFL. It's just an odd lackluster performance so far in the season.
0: Absolutely. Teams are starting Absolutely. to
1: turn it on, like the Bills, the Eagles finally had a commanding
0: performance. Like well, Mitch. You can continue this in the second hour. We gotta step aside, we're yeah. gonna come back. Our number two heavy hitters right here on the radio voice of Kutston University. K U R stay with us.
1: It's our number two of Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley ruining your eardrums. Jack Heim on the board, letting it happen. <laughs> wow, that makes it sound really bad. An accessory. You're an accessory. I'm an accessory to your monstrosity. Uh dude, I uh I watched my cousin Vinny a bunch of times, like thirty by now. Oh man accessory is that a real thing (laughs) it's put in jail yeah it's a real thing man we're live on air 3 p.m. on the east coast i think right yes yes correct that that is that is an accurate statement on this monday afternoon we uh we finished up the world series well no we finished up discussing the world series we're talking about nfl football and i was kind of ranting about how weird the NFL has been. My phone is talking to me. I apologize if that came through. Football. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you said football or foobar. foo <laughs> Fubar. Here at KUO, we I, I use get, foobar.
0: It's in between. I think it's a mix of foobar and fub foob, and football. Yes. F- football. foo Football. <laughs>
1: football. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should call blind ball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. For those that don't know, me and Jack, uh, we have Kyle, right? Kyle yes. is our little gray friend. And uh, we toss him about the studio, see how many times we can catch it. The challenge is one of us can't see anything. So it makes it interesting to say the least. Uh, anyways, let's get back on topic here. Um, I, was, I was just saying, Jack, like I don't think I've ever seen just a weirder, more lackluster performance. Scoring is down. Uh, it feels like a lot of the games are artificially close. You know what I mean? Where it's not like great plays on both sides. It's like... No one can do anything. No one's competent, and that's why they're close. So, yes, you get a lot of photo finishes only because of incompetency. What do you think? Yeah, it's been uh,
0: an intriguing year of sorts. I don't even know what to mean. It's just like – it's just strange. It's just a strange, strange season. Exhibit A, Thursday night football. It's like – it's just – you shake your head. It's like what? What am I watching? Yeah. Are, like, I've what, asked myself I that so watching? many times. What am I watching? Like, the quality of product in the field this year is just not
1: even close to recent years. Name the teams feels that are, terrible. Name the teams that are putting out a good product right now. I got three in the NFC. I got the Eagles, Vikings, and Niners. That's it. And even, I mean, the
0: Niners are they're mad. They looked good this week. <laughs> they did look good this week. And, overall, and in, in the last been... few weeks.
1: To start off, they looked eh. But now I'm convinced on the Niners. I think they'll be one of the top three seeds. Yeah, yeah um, they could. and then in the AFC, it's like Chiefs and Bills. That's about it. Chiefs and Bills. It's it's not a lot of teams right there. I feel like we've had that story before. This is like the fourth or fifth year of Chiefs and Bills. Chiefs oh, it's and just Bills. a wide open
0: year, and it's just like you know, if you look through the standings, okay, you know, Bills six and one, Bill Jets Dolphins five and three. I mean, the Dolphins are five and zero oh in games that Tua isn't a, uh, you know, getting his head <laughs> taken off. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Weird. Ravens are five and three. But they're not really even that good. Bengals are four and three. Like they, they,
1: the Giants were six and off. one at yeah. one
0: point. Okay, like Tennessee's five and two, but it's like, eh. you know, that's nah. They're not really doing it greatly. You know, they're just taking advantage of playing that division. And we thought the Chargers would be a powerhouse. They're not. They're four and three, yeah. I and mean, they've dealt we with their the Broncos were new
1: and improved. They're not. But it's still
0: KC's division, and it's going to be that way until someone proves they can take it from them. You know NFC East by far the best division. Oh yeah, seven and zero, six and two, six and two, four and four. I mean, I think a combined win percentage of over seven hundred. And you know, you mentioned Minnesota. Rest that division is not good. NFC South is just a total dumpster fire. Uh, and then, you know, Seattle's 5-3. and three. They're winning the West. What is going on? They, they were thought to be a team who was in the rebuild, top-five pick. No, they're winning the division. This should be terrible. Geno Smith and that that group of guys is 5-3, uh, and three, and they are in a playoff spot right
1: now. By the way, like, I look like a genius with that Geno trade. Yeah, I mean, not what, Gino, is uh, what is going on? The DK trade. Problem is, I don't have a running on? back to fill in for McCaffrey this week, but like, it's okay. Like, wh- what? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It is absolutely insane. And I mean, like, even like a very lackluster team like the Cardinals gave the Vikings a run at it this week. Yeah. You and know? now the Cardinals are 3-5. Right. Even with some very close losses that could have been wins, you and, know? Yeah. And now they're at the basement
0: of right. the NFC West. Like right. I said, they're what a, happened? They're
1: a fourth place team, but they lost to the the two top seeds in this conference by a total of nine points. Yeah. It's what true. is going on? Like, I told you the Cardinals were fighting. Told you they were good, Jack. Well, not good, but okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I never said they wouldn't be competitive. Yeah. I just I said Yes, you did. You totally said that.
0: I said they'd be a six win team. Just because you're a six win team doesn't mean you weren't competitive all year long. You might have been at six and 11, but had some close losses.
1: Hmm.
0: I never said the context of their losses. I just said they would get six wins. I said they would be in wild card
1: contention, and you said, no way. Well, they're not right now. They're three and five. That's true. They're, they're going to get five. there. They'll get there. I mean, who do they play next week? Um, I mean, who do they play? They next week? They got Seattle next
0: week. Seattle, I mean, okay. that's not an easy game. No, not at all. Not an easy game. The way the has been playing right now, they got the Rams. I mean, the Rams are struggling mightily, but the Rams have had the Cardinals number, and it games in L.A. because the Rams already beat the the Cardinals in Arizona. I mean, you still got to play the Niners two times. It's just like that's the schedule does not benefit
1: them. They got to play the Chargers. I mean, you know,
0: Tampa I just hasn't think Arizona is getting
1: better. The more time Hopkins is back in this offense, the better it's going to get.
0: Yeah. You know what? We're not going to recap every game this week. We're taking a pivot. Yeah. We're taking a pivot. We don't want to do that. Speak
1: you for yourself. Why.
0: Speak for yourself, listener. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. You know, we're just going to talk about the biggest headlines. I mean, Seahawks 5-3. and three, They beat the Giants 27-13. We'll take a look at this one a little bit, and we'll take a look at a couple more. Well, I, I
1: have uh, someone yelling at me, by the way, from Georgia. Oh, okay. Saying that the Falcons beat the Niners a couple weeks ago by multiple scores. So my statement about the Niners is false. I don't know which statement. I made many. Uh, I would presume it's that they're the third best team in this conference. I'm just more convinced by the current product of the Niners. They have improved over the course of the season. They added McCaffrey. The Falcons didn't. Yeah, I McCaffrey's agree. a game changer. Look, he just did a triple crown. He threw one, he caught one, and he ran one in. Yeah.
0: I mean, look, Niners, certainly impressive. And I will agree with you on that. Uh, you know, in the last couple weeks, the McCaffrey trade looks like it's going to be incredibly beneficial to that offense yeah I think they're I think they're one of the teams in the NFC that's gonna be like yeah they're gonna be here they're gonna be one of the final teams standing in terms of the yeah. divisional round and, the, and maybe the championship game but
1: and the Falcons I'm just not convinced on at all
0: oh no they no. should
1: have lost that game to the Carolina Panthers yeah they're, they're and four then we'd be, sitting, we'd be sitting here saying Atlanta Falcons what, what happened? happened how do you lose to
0: Carolina Panthers it's just like the Atlanta Falcons experience is one that never disappoints
1: but they didn't. So now we have to say, Carolina Panthers, what, what happened? happened? How do you miss two game-winning kicks against the Falcons? <laughs> Shouldn't this it be is 28-3 the... to 3 we're talking about. Shouldn't
0: it be the Falcons who were missing the kicks? And... Yes. Yeah, exactly. What Interesting. On? Well, we have a message from the Korn no, Open. Attention, KU community. <laughs> the Kutztown Folk Music Society's 2022-2023 season continues on Friday night, January 13th, with a performance by Ken Garrett and Henry Koretsky. These two longtime performers will bring out the strings in different musical styles. The performance takes place at St. Paul's UCC, which is located at 47 South White Oak Street in Kutztown. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the performance begins at 7.30 p.m. The parking and the entrance to the church are at the rear in the alley. Admission for adults is a $9 donation while children 12 and under can attend for free. Food and drink will not be served. For more information, you can contact Keith Brinsonhoff at 484 336 nine six three nine or Saint Paul's UCC at six one zero six eight three 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 nine three. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University or Welcome back to Deviators everybody. Jack Kine, Mitchell Smedley here back at it again, getting back into our NFL discussion. We Got were some about. breaking
1: news, Jack. Oh okay. Give slight it to me. slight breaking news. Give it the to me. Roberto Clemente Award has been announced. Ah I see who Justin did. Turner of Hi. the Los Angeles Dodgers. I do see that. Congratulations, Justin Turner.
0: Congratulations to you, Justin. Yep. Well, well deserved. He was always a good character guy. Absolutely. Uh, he's been that way with the Dodgers for a long time. I remember early in his career when he was the, with the Mets. He was young, but he was taking steps forward, and he was a guy who, you know, was kind of developing into a team leader before he, you know, got sent away. But you know, it is what it is, and he's developed himself into quite a ball player. You know, he's getting towards the end of his career now, but he's yep. been always been a well respected guy. Uh, very deserving of the award, so congratulations to him. Getting back Sorry to the NFL there. But no, no. Yeah. Love to highlight deserving. a good character dude like that. So.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's a
0: big award and it's a prestigious one in the MLB. You know. It carries a
1: lot of weight with it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yep, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Great point.
0: Uh, NFL, we are going to wrap up, I guess, because... Oh, we're not wrapping up. We're
1: not wrapping up, but we have a little we bit We got more. the birds to talk about, baby. 7-0. Uh, and 7-0, oh. seven seven and, oh. Oh, and looking like it this week. A.J. Brown! How do you do? How do you do? A.J. Brown caught three touchdowns uh, over 25 yards this week. Uh, Jalen Hurts had four passes over 25 yards this week, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Yes. Yeah, because then we had the, the one that was the Sanders run from 11 yards. I'm going to hit you with a disgusting stat before you go into Give your, it to your, me. To
0: your uh, discussion about Give the Eagles it to me. here. Jalen Hurts is the first quarterback to throw for four passing touchdowns in a game by any Eagle quarterback since 2018, Nick Foles.
1: Yeah. That, that doesn't, doesn't shock me disgusting. at all. That's disgusting. That doesn't shock me at all. Jack, we've been a running team. Come on. I know, but We ran still for five gross. touchdowns against the Lions. Give I know, break. but it's this still This team disgusting. has always been run first, run, 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 and we've sucked, okay? <laughs> I mean— there's no way around that. We just haven't had good quarterback play. We got a declining Carson Wentz, a post-Super Bowl Nick Foles, and, and a really awful Jalen Hurts for the first couple of years. Yeah, that, that doesn't shock me at all. That's only four years. That's only four years. It was refreshing as hell to see. Don't get me wrong. Um, You know, like certain games like, oh, wait, we didn't have four there. Like the Falcons Week 1 game 2021, you know, when, hey, when Hurts had a really good game. I guess he only had three that game. Whatever. Four touchdowns, though. That's impressive for Jalen, especially what, what really stuck out to me. This, this has really turned my opinion of Jalen Hurts around. And I'll say this, and he'll lose to Houston. But, <laughs> well, he is an Astros fan, so. Whatever. Ah, it's true. So, but I, what's my knock been on Jalen Hurts? He's just running around improvising and saving his life. That's not going to work forever. You need to be able to be unschemable. You know what I mean? You need to just be good, on not on not not only on the fly, but just good in general. And my problem is Hertz hasn't been accurate. He hasn't found his reads. He has not been a good pocket passing quarterback. This week, absolutely turned that on its head. I mean, with the exception of the first AJ Brown touchdown, which should have been intercepted, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, uh, good going there, Minka. Yeah, nice job. Um, Hertz was on on Sunday. He was on yesterday, and and he did it all from the pocket. He he only had like two or three rushing attempts. It was so nice to just see a content quarterback, someone who's not having to maneuver around and, and around and run around and run around and run around and still make good plays. It was so refreshing to have a I call it a calm good. you know there's like calm good and then there's panic good, you know and Hertz has been panic good to this point. but yesterday he was calm good. it looked effortless. It looked really good. and I'm really happy that we have AJ Brown on this on this on this team.
0: <laughs> I knew I knew where you were going to try to say, but then you stopped yourself yeah, a little bit. little bit.
1: a little Just bit. Just a little
0: bit. Near slip up. But no,
1: I was actually going to try and say something less, but I didn't want to mess that up. You know uh, what I mean? I got you. yes, 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 yes. F-R-I. I been, yeah. I,
0: yes. Ah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I know exactly where you were going with that. Yes. Fries. I want French fries. Ah, uh, French fries do sound good right about now. They but, do sound uh, fantastic. But A.J. Brown, now the headlines are uh, funny this morning. Uh turns out his performance last night got him an air quote random drug test Yeah, for random the NFL. okay. AJ Brown a tweeted out himself, I would have a drug test this morning that, that, Huh? LOL I roll emoji. Roger with like seven R's. This is not random crying face emoji at NFL. Yeah. So Aj showing his displeasure. All I funny. can hope is that he just
1: didn't do anything.
0: It's just funny because the NFL always does this. Like they like one guy is an incredible performance, like Aaron Donald, like last year, he did a sick performance. Drug test him. Like these guys are not roiding. Like these guys are just naturally built, like freaks of nature. Like these guys are monsters.
1: Yeah, and it's not like he did anything like outrageous. He got beat on one of the plays, and he just happened to not screw up as bad as Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, like. Man. It's not like an outrageous What is he doing? Like he just caught passes that were thrown well. You yeah. know what I mean? And AJ Brown does not look more swole this year than he
0: does in the past. <laughs> AJ Brown's always been a big man. Swole Batman, baby. He's he's a big guy. He's, swole Batman. He's tall in stature. He's built like a I I don't even know what reference to use. Like he's just he's built. Like he's a stocky guy. Like he's 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 built like Jack Heim, everybody. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wish I was built like AJ yeah. Brown. Jack wishes he was swole Batman. I wish I was built like AJ Brown. I could be in the NFL making plays. But, you see uh, uh,
1: Jason Kelsey with the Batman mask during the game. Yeah, I did game? see that. Yeah, I did see that. Taking a, a Batman guns there
0: in the NBA. Grant Williams was <laughs> doing a post game dressed up in a Batman costume, and Jason Tatum walks in. He goes, "What are you doing?" There was <laughs> another word, but I'm not. Gonna, I can't say that. Yeah, 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 for yeah. for FCC reasons, but yeah, it was funny. It was funny, man. These athletes making the most of Halloween. I what love it. Yeah, well. Well, the really? Batman mask, you love it because I know you
1: don't like Halloween. You're not. No, Halloween I hate Halloween. Person. I yeah. love, I love that Jason Kelsey has the guts to put on the mask. Not after the game, like we've been doing with the dog masks for a few years. On the sideline, he's wearing a Batman mask. It's funny to me. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I don't. I, honestly, I would be very upset if I were a Steelers fan about that. Like that he did that during the game. I feel like that's a little disrespectful. But it's Jason Kelsey. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna talk bad on him. That man will end me. <laughs> Talk about someone who's built. I mean, for a short guy, oh my goodness. Jason yeah. Kelsey's too small. Lane Johnson can't lay off the juice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore.
1: Elshon Jeffrey can't catch. Nelson Aguilar can't catch. I mean, they can't anymore. You just catch him. Unlike Aguilar. Yeah, Jeffrey had, <laughs> Jeffrey had one good year. Uh, one good year with the Eagles. The yeah, and then way. he lost us the next one by dropping a ball. Oh, we
0: dropped it. It's intercepted by Lattimore, and the Saints are going to win. Wah, wah, wah. I'm going to cry. Yeah, but you won the Super Bowl the year yeah. before, so.
1: And time runs out, and the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> are going home. Yeah. No. No, 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 no! I'm talking about when we won the Super Bowl. Oh, after that Hail Mary drop, and time runs out. Yes, yeah, that was incredible. That was. And they're gonna snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught, falls, touchdown. Yeah, that was. And uh, then Kevin Harlan. What did we just see? (laughs) Nothing, Kevin. We're blind. (laughs) Wow. Well. With that, we're going to take our first break of Hour 2. Got to
0: calm down. When we come back, wrapping up our NFL discussion, we have plenty of hockey to talk about and then wrapping up with college football. So Score! stay here. Keep it Let's real. Go! Right here on the Radio Voice of Cutscene University. Heavy hitters coming your way next on the flip side of this break. Jack and Mitch, we will be back with all the chaos, all the sports <laughs> news, and more right here on the Radio Voice of Cutscene University. Okay, yeah, you are.
1: Knock it off. <laughs> we're back on heavy hitters. Knock it off.
0: Knock it off.
1: What do you mean? What's the joke?
0: What am they, I missing? Is they're knocking on the window.
1: Oh, I thought you meant cuz I almost knocked over the clock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Henry. That's on Linda heavy and Abby interrupting heavy hitters. Hooah. Well, we're we talking uh, NFL. We got a few more games. Let's just let me actually get some real thoughts on the Eagles here real quick before I move on. Um obviously AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts looked electric. The defense after that first uh or that second drive really locked down. Uh the Steelers could not get much going um I mean, they got a few points, but it was when it really didn't matter. Uh, This team just looks so complete. They look like a complete Super Bowl contender. Uh, And people have been complaining that they don't score second half points. Guess what? They did that too. They continue their second quarter dominance over teams. It It is just a sight to behold watching this Eagles football team right now. And uh, really exciting. The um, you know, wh- tell me the weakness, Jack. What's the weakness of this team? Even the guys we didn't think would be big contributors, CJ, there. Yeah, he's making picks, and he's talking that trash. Oh yeah, oh he is. Oh he is. But like, what's what's the talking that rah rah? What's the weakness? Is the uh, the offensive line that held up today or yesterday? Like, I don't know. Make it make sense. Undefeated and looking like it this week. Philadelphia Eagles moved to seven and zero. Want to talk about the Giants? Uh yeah, yes I do want to talk about the Giants. <laughs>
0: look, there's 6 and 2. I mean, look, it was a tough loss, the tough offense. Loss, yeah. The offense didn't really play well. Uh, defense really couldn't make timely stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Geno Smith did his thing. He got a couple touchdowns to uh, you know Lockett and Metcalf. And... How about
1: Lockett making up for that drop? Yeah, I mean, that was a brutal
0: drop. That was uh, outrageous. Made I mean, how do you drop this NFL wide receiver? Right through the right through the hands. But you know what? Geno Smith, really great leader moment on the sideline after that drop. He goes with the Lockett and, you know, I don't know exactly what he said, but probably something like this. It's like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Shake it off. You'll get the next one. I'm He's not like, hey, I'm coming you. to you for 39 hey, yards. Man, hey, man, I'm going to you again. So I'm going to go to you again at some point uh, in the red zone. So, you know be you ready? It's your time. You you you're a good receiver and you got this, man. So uh, yeah, and uh, keep
1: it up. Keep your head up. I mean, this was a matchup of two teams that have outperformed by a mile this year. That have shocked everybody. Something I had to give. Uh, unfortunately for New York, it was it's only their second loss. You know, absolutely still in the playoff picture. Uh, and we're getting to that time where you start looking up there. You start looking up at the standings a little bit. You know, yeah. Start seeing who's positioning them well for the stretch. And uh, Giants have a bye week, right?
0: Mmm, yes.
1: Yeah. So yes. they will remain 6 and 2 for the next couple or for like the next 13 days. And then who do they uh who do they got next? Uh then they have the Texans and Lions both at home. Okay. So they could they go could, to eight they and could two. stack
0: some wins here. And then they go to Dallas. So that's a little tough. But uh Look, I mean Dallas Dallas schedule. uh had a
1: good had they had a good week as well, unfortunately, against uh Chicago there. Yeah, I mean absolutely. So anyways, New York Giants 6 and 2, still stunning. Uh, but the Seahawks get the win. DK Metcalf uh, looks like he's okay from his uh, presumed knee injury. He was back, uh, didn't miss any time, and he caught a touchdown in the second quarter. So congratulations, DK. Uh, any other games you want to highlight, real quick? Um, you know, just one more thing about the Giants game. Richie
0: James muffed a couple punts, didn't yep. really help the team. Uh, but you know, in terms of ra- recapping,
1: you know, some of the games. How about the Niners Rams a little bit? I yeah. w- I was watching this game because Christian McCaffrey. Welcome back to Superstardom, my friend. My goodness, McCaffrey ran one in from one yard, caught one from, uh, that was like seven-ish yards or nine yards. And then he threw one to Brandon Ayuk for, uh, what was it, 34, 33 yes, yards? 34. 34, I had it right the first time. Trust your gut, kids. Uh, Christian McCaffrey throws, catches, and runs one in to the house. What a game for him, and what a game for the Niners. beating beaten up on their division rival, who they are just owning in the last five years.
0: Yep, sweep the season series this year against the again. reigning Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. The Niners are really holding the control out there in that division with their two wins over L.A. They don't have to play them again. Uh, and then they got, you know, the Seahawks. So this will be a couple of interesting matches. I think they might have already played, it once. played them once, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think they did. I think, yeah, I
1: think Seattle lost. Yeah, I believe the 49ers handled them. So it was like week two or three.
0: Yeah. Um. So Niners certainly putting themselves in a good position. Big win. Thirty-one fourteen. Rams definitely not the same team this year. Matt Stafford not the same quarterback. Uh. They just don't have the same magic. And Cooper Cup left with the late injury. Not good. Oh. Ankle injury. Oh. Uh, we'll I did monitor not that. even see that. Yep. We'll monitor that. Hopefully, Coop is okay. Wow. He's one of the most. He's one of the best receivers in the league, and if not, football's just best. better when he's on the field. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look, Rams. It's it's struggling. It has been a struggle. Let's see if Sean McVay can help turn this group around. But, man, they don't have a really good rushing game either. I mean, Ronnie Rivers, uh, Daryl Henderson. I mean, who who are you throwing back there? It's just guys that
1: – I just, don't know.
0: Yeah, it's just not good.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, the situation with L.A. They look like they are seriously uh, Super Bowl hungover right now. Um, talk about another team that wants to uh, – get to the promised land that's the Minnesota Vikings currently the second best record in the Nash, in in the uh National Football Conference. Uh they got a nice close win there over the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray throws a late pick, got the ball back one more time, couldn't bring them back though. Um Vikings win by I think it was 6 34 28 or something like that. Um so the Vikings add to their win total. They are now 7 6 and 1 or 7 and 1. Um, did they have their bye yet? I think they had their bye, so I think they're six and one now. Yes. Um so the Vikings still holding strong atop the NFC North. Looks like their division to have Cardinals in the basement of the NFC West. Still at three and five. It's not over till it's over, but you know, lights are dimming on the Cardinals season. Um it is. Those are the notes I oh, we had the Bills Packers last night. Bills them. Yeah. Packers.
0: Thank you. Garbage. Yep.
1: Garbage. Yep. Thank
0: you. By the way, Green Bay, you know, I know you guys can continue to be bad, but please keep feeding Aaron Jones the football. <laughs> good things happen. Good things happen when that guy touches the football. It's it's crazy what He's happens when you give your good running back the football. It's I mean, it's mind blowing. It's Someone should like, tell uh, <laughs> Carolina explosions. It's like wow. Wow, Aaron Jones has been a good football player, and then you, for whatever reason, started to go away from using him and say, "Here, A.J. Dillon. Here we go. Let's just completely run Aaron Jones out of this offense." No, 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 no. Yep. He's back with a vengeance. Aaron Jones, stud. Keep doing it. Making and, my fantasy uh, team better.
1: Speaking of uh, good running backs, Alvin Kamara had a day for the Saints. What do you have? Three touchdowns. Yes, he did. Three total touchdowns. He's back. What He's was the back. score in that game? Twenty-four nothing. 20, yeah the yeah, Raiders twenty four nothing over the Raiders. They're terrible. That looked awful. Uh, terrible. Josh Jacobs. He was one of the premier running backs in the league. He was uh, bottled up pretty much yeah. throughout that entire game. A twenty four nothing shutout for the Saints. Um Yeah, that, that's those are the games I really uh I had on my radar. I, I don't really uh I don't really know. If any of the rest were uh, worth talking about. But we do have a nice divisional matchup to talk about tonight, Monday Night Football. You want to transition to this? We
0: do. One quick thing. Commanders did come back, beat the Colts 17-16 on some late game heroics by Taylor Heineke. He's 2-0 to start the year after yeah, taking over that? for the injured Carson Wentz. So. I
1: played against him yesterday, and I was like, oh, this is easy. And then he shows up with, like, 10 more points like right at the buzzer. I was like, what's going on?
0: Yeah, let's slow that down, Mr. Heineke. Actually, I had him in the league that I blitzed my opponent in, so uh, okay, there you go. I, I dropped Jimmy G at the last second. I picked up uh, Heineke. Wow. I don't really know if that paid off because i didn't know what jimmy g got but jimmy he g, got me 22 uh, yeah. so good, good stuff, play Taylor. on your
1: part um yeah we got monday night football so the the commanders keep winning by the way uh and the nfc east just keeps winning so the eagles 7-0 and doesn't look as impressive they're only two games ahead in that division um three over the last place team it's tight three or four um moving on we got monday night football it's the cincinnati Bengals taking on the cleveland browns AFC North showdown. Joe Burrow taking on Jacoby Brissett in uh still filling in for the suspended uh Deshaun Watson. We still got a few weeks left on that uh on that suspension there. And the Browns, they've held down the fort a little bit here while he's gone. Um you know nah, yeah, they did and a little it's bit. falling apart. That's what I'm saying. They held it a little bit. They got to get back to that. The Bengals but seem like they are catching fire midseason here. Joe Burrow lit it up last week. What do you have, four touchdown passes? Yeah. Yep, four touchdown passes for Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon looks electric. Uh, Jamar Chase, though, this is the problem. This is what we're really going to have to watch. He's out for, what, six weeks? Four to six weeks. Four yep. to six weeks. Jamar Chase is injured. T. Higgins, uh, whom I? T- uh, Tyler Boyd, the rest of these pass catchers are going to have to step up for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jack, how do you see tonight's matchup going?
0: Bengals is not close. Look, Tyler Boyd has been really, really good, and he's been a guy that hasn't been talked about even when Chase was there. I mean, look, last week against Atlanta, Boyd goes for 8 for 155 and a touchdown. Chase had 132 touchdowns. So these are two guys and Higgins at 93. I mean, these are three guys who were all going off respectively when they were all healthy. With the increased role for Boyd and Higgins, I don't expect things to change. I expect them to continue to be just as good. These are two guys who are going to have big-time games against a team that can be a little bit, uh... It gets chippy. Wow. Wow. What? Wow. Breaking news. Breaking news. Blockbuster trade just no went lie. down. Roquan Smith traded from the Bears. He's going to the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Just
1: announced. Wow. Oh, man.
0: Wow. We will keep you posted on the details. That trade just smokes. happened right now. was just announced.
1: Wow. The wow. The Bears are wow. shedding pieces. They, are, they got rid of uh, Robert Quinn. I don't even know if we talked about that. No, uh, he went to the Eagles. The Eagles got him for a fourth round pick. What a trade by Howie Roseman. The Bears are uh, full sell mode right now. Wow! Here at the NFL trade that deadline, that is crazy. That is crazy. Ravens are bolstering up. So the Ravens are loading up to make a push, and they have the quarterback to do it right
0: now. And they have the division right in front of them. They, they have, have, the have the division. They're in the position they want to be in. They have wins over the the Browns and the Bengals. They're two zero. Yep. They still have to play the Steelers twice, and the Steelers don't really look good the at all this are not year. Not a threat. So, but look, the
1: problem is the pass catchers for the uh, for the Ravens here. Um. They, I, I, if I were them, I'd be looking at, at finding an option on the trade market. Uh, I'm thinking of someone like... Um, oh, who was the guy rumored to go to uh, Green Bay? Who am I thinking of? Who am I thinking of? Oh, man. I'll figure that out over the... Uh,
0: Brandon Cooks can be an
1: option. Cooks could be an option. Um, uh, I was thinking of Claypool. Yeah. Chase Steelers Claypool. said they might not trade him anymore. Well, they Never get a know. good enough offer. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but... I mean the Steelers pass catchers. It's a disaster. Why apparently, are, why are you not throwing to? Uh, what'd you say? Pickens more, but uh, why quick, are, why are you not throwing Jordan, to Deontay? Is Jordan I don't Davis understand. out four to six weeks. Jordan Davis he left the game injured yesterday, and uh, yeah, he he will miss four to six weeks. With okay, uh, apparently, a wow, wow, the Bears get fleeced,
0: fleeced. Second, uh, supposedly, I take this with a grain of salt because it's from NFL Trade Rumors dot co on Twitter, so. Ro- Roquan Smith to the Ravens. Bears get a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Are you wow. kidding me? How
1: did Howie not pull that one off? He tried wow. to add him to the uh, the Quinn deal, I think. Uh, man, that is—the Bears just traded away. Two big pieces, got zero first-round picks. This is— The Eagles are also in talks with the Saints, reportedly, about Alvin Kamara. His performance yesterday only drove up the price. Saints reportedly want their first-round pick back from the Birds. If I were them, I am not making that trade. I am confident in Miles Sanders. Yeah. Um I don't think you need to give up that first round pick. Absolutely. Not. I don't think you really need a running back, Philly. Uh I, that's just not the position I would uh Plus you're seven though. I, I mean yeah. it's
0: like do you really need to get Camara? I mean, that would no. make you pretty cheat code on offense, but yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. One more final thing, Elijah Moore at the whole, you know, him maybe getting traded, the playing time thing. He was asked after the game yesterday after their lost to New England, you know, what's your chemistry like with Zach Wilson? He's like, I don't know, man. I don't get thrown the ball.
1: <laughs> I saw that. I was like, My dang. My goodness.
0: He's just coming out right and saying it to the media, man. It's not like he's not dancing around anymore. He is just going. And that's usually a player's him. ticket
1: out of the city. Yep. Yeah, that, that's a way to get yourself traded or released. So yep. uh, one more note. Uh, rather than the Camara thing, I would uh, look for the Eagles to trade a very late round pick. Uh, for Cam Akers would be my preferred option. Ah, interesting. You have a duo of Sanders and Akers, and it doesn't cost you. I think that's the better way to go than giving up a pretty penny for Alvin Kamara. So, just something to watch as the trade deadline approaches. What day is that? Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. So. Yep, confirmed. Second and fifth round pick going to
0: Chicago. Wow. Alquan
1: Smith. How about the Ravens?
0: Unbelievable. Ravens pull off a big time move, bolstering up Incredible. Uh, that will do it for our NFL discussion, though. We're going to move to hockey a little bit uh, before our second break, and we'll wrap up that discussion on the flip side. Mitch, we're still in the early going, but, man, a lot of good things. How about
1: the Flyers?
0: You know, we're going to run through the standings here yeah. real quick, talk about some of the big headlines. Look, got to talk about the Atlantic Division. You can't brush over without talking about the Boston Bruins. Through the first nine games, they're 8-1. and one. New head coach Jim Montgomery came over from Dallas in the offseason. Clearly what he's been instilling in this group has been working to a T so far. David Krejci came back after taking a year off, playing over in the Czech Uh, you know, professional league comes back to the NHL was the longtime Bruin. Uh, Patrice Bergeron looks, still looks really good. Brad Marchand is just returning from injury. He's only played a couple games, but scored two goals in their big win over the Red Wings. Matt Grizzlick is back well in advance, but they're doing this all without some of those guys. You know, with Marchand and Grizzly still, you know, just making their way back. Charlie McAvoy is still out for Boston. We talked about McAvoy. I don't think you're a big McAvoy fan, right? I do not like Charlie McAvoy. What I thought. Uh, yeah, Boston, they have been dominant. Can they be a cup contender so far? Through nine games, they have looked as dominant as any team in the National Hockey League has. Florida follows at 5-3-1. and one. I don't really like what I've seen from the Panthers. I mean, they've been good, but they've only had a plus-one goal differential. It's been really up and down. Defense looks shaky, goaltending. I think they might try to unload that big contract of Bobrovsky, make Spencer Knight the starter. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting times ahead at Florida, but that Matt Kachuk trade looks good in terms of Kachuk's production, uh, but Huberto and Weger have been just as good for Calgary. We'll get to the Flames a little bit. Buffalo looks really good, though. They're 5-3, and three. the Young's, you know, studs. Uh, two, you know, number one overall draft picks on the back end with Rosmus Dalene, and Owen Power. Dalene started the year with a six-game point streak. Sabres look really good. They had a battle back to beat Chicago in overtime in their last one out 4-3 to three, and a winner from Victor Olofsson, who's, I think, got six goals to start the year. Uh, let me go. Let me double-check that real quick. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. Can we find it? They played two days ago. Yes, they did. And he does have six goals in the year. I was proven correct. It was a power play goal to win in overtime. Dahlin, another assist. Buffalo, Don Granado is a really good coach. They locked him up for a couple more years. He's done a really good job, you know, turning that group around. Buffalo, could they make the playoffs this year? Maybe. East is going to be a dogfight all year long. So many teams in the mix. Very and much surprised. A sure. couple surprise teams. We'll get to Philly in a minute. We're going to start with the team that leads the Metro right now. The yeah. surprise team, the New Jersey Devils. Wow. Six and three through their first nine, 12 points. They shellacked the Blue Jackets seven to one yesterday. They got, them. They got on them early, got on them a lot. It was just wow. Um, an onslaught of goals. He had 53 shots on net. Uh, started off with Fabian Zetterlin getting it started in a nice dish from Nico Heischer. Heischer sure got on the board after that. Ryan Graves had a beautiful goal, uh, walked right in, teed one up, and went top shelf by uh, Merzlikens. Uh, Devils, runaway show, 7-1. They look really good. Marino on the back end. I mean, that defense is just playing really well. They got uh, Hamilton, their right side is loaded, too. Hamilton, Severson, and Marino on their right side defense. That's as, probably as good as any three defensemen on the right side of, of any team in the league. It's just the Devils. I mean, could this be the year New Jersey makes a push for the playoffs? Jesper Bratt looks phenomenal. Fifteen points in his first nine in their first nine games. He uh, you know he took a chance, signed a one year deal as an RFA with New Jersey, uh, trying to you know wait off and get a big payday. And so far, he's coming out. He's playing really well. So far, Devils firing on all cylinders. Six and three, looking really really good. And suit followed by the Rangers. They've looked okay. I mean, ten games, five, three, and two. I mean, and of course Panarin and Zibanejad have looked solid. Chris Kreider hasn't really done a whole lot to start the year. Uh, the young guns of Lafreniere, you know, they're they're playing all right. He scored last night in their three-two win over Arizona, but you know, it's just the Rangers have not impressed so far. Uh, just fairly mad average start. We'll see if they can, you know, turn things up and get back to what they were doing last year. But so far, this is not a, a team that's been electrifying out of the gate. Flyers through their first eight. Five, two, and one. They had a dogfight, lost to Carolina in overtime. Brent Burns. It was a what four-three win for Carolina. I believe on Saturday night. Yep. Yes, it was.
1: I Uh, watched zero seconds of that game due to the World Series. Yeah, makes sense. Yep.
0: Other priorities for you.
1: Bigger fish to fry, Jack. Yes, there are. Followed by the Flyers led that game though. They were in control, and Carolina came back. I believe.
0: Yeah, Canes are a resilient bunch. Really good hockey team. Oh, they're a very good hockey team so absolutely it was a spiritual battle for you though mitch a moral battle the you're flyers like are
1: starting hot you know this is not something we expected even uh tortorella said it's gonna take time it's gonna take a while but hasn't so far five two and one not bad no it and, hasn't. and a Good great start. win great win against florida by the way especially um and I, I was watching the last few minutes that came and it was just all florida swarming but the defense and carter hart with his new career high in saves i mean if he's on, like we once thought he could be, you know, is this a resurgence of Carter Hart? I was
0: just about to say that. This does look like the resurgence of Carter Hart. Like,
1: oh, my God, how much does that change the complexion of this team? Oh, 100%. Wow. The Flyers
0: look like a much more dangerous team if Carter Hart is firing on all cylinders like he was just a couple yeah. years ago. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see if that last— uh, throughout, you know, the entirety of the season. It's a long year. We're only eight games in. Oh, so yeah, far, we're barely. Carter Hart. We're 10% uh, there. <laughs> yeah, we're 10% there. So Carter Hart has looked really, really good. We do have to step aside for our final break of today's show. When we come back, we will wrap up our NHL discussion and shift gears into college football to wrap up today's edition of Heavy Hitters. Once again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back after our final break here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University. Yeah, you are.
1: Welcome back to Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim here on your Monday afternoon, keeping with the news theme here. Uh, we have a uh, a report from a source that the L.A. Rams have made an official offer for Broncos star pass rusher Bradley Chubb. That does not mean a deal has gone through, but usually when you make an official offer, I'd assume that's been talked about before. Right, Jack? So, uh, looks like Bradley Chubb could be heading to Los Angeles. Any other, uh, any other trade deadline
0: news? Not that I'm... I was looking for that. Not that I can see. Uh, we are... 24 you know, hours away. Yeah, 24 hours away from the deadline. All four
1: NFC, te- NFC East teams should be making deals, by the way.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, look, get hairy all here. these teams could bolster uh, and try to get themselves ready for the playoffs. I don't know what, I don't think that's a Giants approach. I think they're just going to take it as it comes this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's been earlier than expected, the success, uh, you know, with this team, but certainly it's a good thing. Uh, and we'll see how they can certainly build on that, you know, before. The impending deadline and going into the rest of this year and going into next year. We'll see how that goes.
1: Howie Roseman always gets deals done uh, that we don't really see coming. He he has a way of doing that. He, the Jay Ajayi trade in 2017 really made this a three-headed monster that dominated and, and got the Eagles to the Super Bowl even without Carson Wentz. And then 2018, the Golden Tate trade looked like a bust until he got caught the game-winning touchdown against the Bears uh, in the— uh, Wild card round, right? The yes. Bears. Wild card round of the playoffs. So, Howie Roseman, I'm looking at you. Uh, got the Robert Quinn deal done. But we all know, Howie, there is definitely more to come in the next 24 hours. Well,
0: we will go back into our NHL discussion. A couple more teams you want to pinpoint. The Detroit Red Wings so far So in the second wild card. spot, just eight games in again. Take it with a grain of salt. It's so early in the year. Yep. So many things can change. But they're off to a good start. 4-2-2. Two, and two. Headlined by new acquisition, they got goalie Ville Husso from the Blues. So far, he's off to a solid start for them. Uh, he has been having a 3-1-1 one one record, 2-4 goals against, 926 8 percentage, and a shutout. Also defense, and only mod a former Penguin. Uh, he's come over, and he's got five points so far, one goal, four assists. So good offensive contributions for him. Uh, and new, newcomer forwards, Dominic Kubelik from the Blackhawks, and David Perron, also from St. Louis Kubelik. Four goals, seven assists for 11 points per on. Four goals, one assist. He's got five, but he's already netted four, so that's good. You know, caveat is, you know, Detroit's had a favorable schedule in the early going. Things will get tougher, but so far, so good from the Wings. By New York Islanders, they started 2-4, and but they have won three in a row against the likes of the Rangers. Hurricanes and Avalanche, three very impressive wins for the Isles. They looked really good. They've scored three, six, and five goals in those games. Offense has been buzzing. Matt Barzal has been electric. He has been electric to watch, flying around the zone, setting up his teammates, uh, just, it's been incredible. Uh, this team's really done a good job of bouncing back after a tough start. Five and four. They have a three game road trip coming up. They, you know, really take got... it on the Midwest. They got the Blackhawks, Blues, and Wings. Okay. Those will be three interesting games. Blackhawks off to a pretty, you know, surprising start. I'll get to them in a little bit. St. Louis has been a little lackluster. On uh, Detroit, like I mentioned, they are pretty solid so far. So the Islanders, no rest for the weary. They have to go out three road games against three teams who've been pretty competitive here. In the early going, we're going to shift the Western Conference. Dallas headlines to Central 5 3 and 1. They've looked pretty good so far. Uh, you know, playing pretty solid. Net mining's been good. Jake Ottinger was playing really well. Got hurt, you know, in a weekend game against the Rangers. Hope he's okay. Nothing serious. Jets 5 3 and 1. They fell last night to Vegas 2 1. Connor Hellebach continues to be a really solid, you know, goaltender. Made some phenomenal saves to keep that game even close get them a point to send it to overtime. So. only plus one goal differential. We'll see how that monitors. I only bring up goal differential. It's a very important point because you can be, you know, a couple games over 500, but, you know, if your goal differential is hovering around zero, it can show for room for regression. So it's just an interesting point to monitor early in the season how these teams are starting. Blackhawks, 4-3-2, 10 points. Again, their goal differential is at zero. They've been playing pretty much average hockey, and their record kind of resembles that. So Hawks, though, they were figured to be a team that could be contending for the number one overall pick so far. uh, It's been much more... Much better than that. Andreas C by the way, scored a filthy goal yesterday against the Wild. Whew, breakaway, does a couple little deeks and you know roofs the backhander by Mark Andre Flurry, the former Blackhawks goalie. So uh, you did get the last laugh though, waving to Kane and Tazer to made saves on both of them in the shootout. Wild won that one, four to three. Matt Boldy, hot star from Minnesota, seven points in his last nine games. Couple of goals yesterday. So Matt Boldy train continues to roll for Minnesota. Kirill Kaprizov, Kirill the Thrill, uh, such an impressive player. Minnesota, So much going on here in the early year. We're going to go to Vegas, who I mentioned from that Winnipeg game. They're 8-2, plus 15 goal differential. Logan Thompson has been woo, a young goalie. He's been making some noise here early in the season. Um, He has gotten so far a 4-2 and record, 169 goals against, 943 save percentage, and two shutouts. So good start for Mr. Thompson. And uh, he's really been a surprise story that's, I think, allowed Vegas to be so good in the early going. Jack Eichel is all the way back. He scored a filthy OT winner yesterday, flying around the zone, barely kept in at the point before cutting with a power move to the front of the net and tucking it in by Hellebuck with just 6.1 to go in OT and winner for the Knights. I was watching that with my cousin on FaceTime last night. We were both like, wow, Jack Eichel, he's back. He is so filthy Uh, and such a great player to watch when he is fully healthy and fully on. So Vegas, they look all the way back. They're 8-2 so far. They look... Merely unstoppable. And that environment... I mean, it's the 10th game of the year, and that arena was essentially sold out. There were Knights fans everywhere. You know, sports team in Vegas, just... I've been finding a way to work out. Uh, the crowds there, the success for the Golden Knights. I think the A's might be moving to Vegas sooner rather than later. We'll yep. keep that uh, posted. But, you know, imagine a baseball team that was actually good in uh, Vegas. That would probably... That'd be a sight ge- to behold right That there. would generate a probably pretty good postseason environment. But uh, shifting back... Oilers six and three. Stuart Skinner, another young goaltender who started off the season pretty well, backing up Jack Campbell, who they got from Toronto. Skinners two and one, one five five goals against 955 state percentage in four games. Two of them have been starts, and he's also coming in uh, in the middle of the game after Jack Campbell has struggled a little bit. Cracking their four four and two average, but you know, I want to talk about another Pacific team, Calgary. This is a team who was one of the I best in the West last year.
1: To a burning ring of fire.
0: Yeah, the Flames, uh, they are on fire. This is a team who was really good last year. They only got better in the offseason. They lost Johnny Goudreau to the Blue Jackets, but uh, I think it's for the better uh, With in terms of the attitude and culture aspect that you know Goudreau brings. They got Nazem Kadri in free agency. They traded for Huberto and Weger. They have good defense, good goaltending, and plenty of forwards who can make impacts up front. One of the best teams in the West. I would not be surprised if this team won the Western Conference in terms of the regular season point title uh, and hold that number one seed. I mean, this Calgary team is loaded from top to bottom. And of course, they have a really good coach, Daryl Sutter, who's won a couple of cups with another Pacific Division team, the LA Kings. Uh, LA. It's uh, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle. They're five and five, It's been man minus five goal differential. They had a good win against the Leafs on Saturday night. And now, how could I forget to talk about Toronto? Before I move from the Kings to the Leafs, I do have a quick message from the K1 Attention, KU community, Join the LGBTQ+ Resource Center for a weekly LGBTQ+ book club. An author who is part of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as a themed book, will be selected to be enjoyed and discussed as a club. The LGBTQ plus book club meets every Tuesday from 2 to 3 p.m. in the Boxwood House. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Queensland University. KUR, welcome back to everybody, everybody, wrapping up our hockey discussion. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they're 4-4-2. They were one of the best in the East last year. Fell in seven games in the playoffs to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had went on to the Stanley Cup Final for the third year in a row, fell to Colorado, and that's how the story was. Look, Toronto's 4-4-2. They don't really play an imposing type of hockey. They're not physical. They're not gritty. Uh, A lot of their forwards don't really play excellent defense. It's been a struggle. Uh, It's funny. There's an avid Leaf fan, Steve Dangle, on YouTube. He makes, you know, reactions. Uh, He's also, I think, involved with TSN, one of the major hockey networks up in Canada, but he makes... uh, this thing called LFR and it's just a reaction to every game that the Leafs play. Uh, and I was watching the one against the Sharks, their four three OT lost a couple games ago. Uh, and he was just ranting about this team. Just no toughness, no grit, and uh, you know, not a lot of convincing hockey. Matthewson played great, so Leafs could be in a little bit of trouble in the early going four
1: four and two to their first ten. Anything you want As to As Josh Toot would say, it's only game ten. It's only it's only it's <laughs> only game ten. It's only game ten. The <laughs> Leafs have time. They they were in the conference final for a reason. Give it time to mesh and gel a little bit. Start of no. the season. No, no, they lost in the first round. First round. Ra- oh, 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 oh. I thought you said in the conference final No, I thought it was the Rangers, the right? Yeah, it was Lightning Rangers. I was gonna say I, I swore that series. I'm sitting over here, I'm like, I swear that series was Lightning Rangers. <laughs> yes, it was. I was, <laughs> right, yeah. I was talking so fast I might have made a mistake. Okay, no, 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 you're right. Uh, I think what you said was right. I just interpreted it as conference final because you said the Lightning went on to beat the Colorado Aval- or lose to the Colorado Avalanche. In the Stanley, in the cup, the Stanley final, yeah. cup final. In the Stanley Cup final. So uh, yeah, so look, they got they were a playoff team last year. They went to seven with the eventual Stanley Cup runner up. I, I don't think they got exponentially worse. Um, I, I honestly just give it time. It's give Toronto. it time. I don't like it, but they'll find a way. Okay, I, I don't know.
0: It's I come think they on. To, I did need to make a trade, though. I do. I think they need a shake up. Just the way they've been playing. It's been it's been rough. It has been tough sledding here in the early going. We'll see if they can find a way to turn things around. College football, many headlines to get to oh. before we do a couple game recaps. Auburn makes some big moves today, firing head coach Brian Harson and also bringing in a new AD. They poach the Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen comes into Auburn. They've already announced their top candidate for their coaching search, and it'll be the head coach of Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. So Auburn looking to steal th- some things away from Mississippi. Uh, They got it from Mississippi State with their athletic director trying to poach the Ole Miss head coach. We'll see how that goes down at Auburn. War Eagle, as the saying goes. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State. That game was incredible on the field in terms of what happened. Not really because Michigan State didn't really play that well, but in terms of the altercations, uh, this is a terrible, terrible uh, circumstance. Uh, One of the Michigan players got attacked by many of the Michigan State Spartan players. It was announced today uh, that Michigan State suspended four players, linebacker Tank Brown. Cornerback Carrie Crump, safety Angelo Gross and defensive end Zion Young indefinitely for their role in the altercation in the tunnel during the Michigan Michigan State game where one of the Michigan State players uh was just, you know, grouped I, I don't I don't really know what to word it it's just he got attacked uh by many Michigan State players. Uh it was just the wrong place, wrong type, wrong uh, time type of deal. But, you know, sharing a tunnel can prove to be very dangerous, and I think Michigan might have to look into getting split tunnels uh, in the future because it's just it's a couple back-to-back home games now. In Penn State, there was an altercation. Now it's this week, and they rivals. It's bitter. It's going to be chippy. We understand all that, you know, the fun stuff about rivalries. But, look, players are in danger here. Like, this is getting very serious. Players are getting attacked. Uh, you know, punches being thrown. I mean, there was a report of helmets being swung, and even further along with that, Michigan defensive back uh, – German Green's family reportedly claims that a Michigan State player struck him with a helmet in the tunnel after the game on Saturday night. I mean, this is very serious situation. Yeah, I mean,
1: we remember how uh, how serious everyone got about the Miles Garrett situation when he used his uh, uh, Miles Garrett. Did I get that name wrong? Yeah, Miles Garrett. You're yeah, right, for the Browns and Steelers. Yeah, for the Browns Steelers game. Yeah, okay. For some reason, I was like, no, it's not Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett when he swung his helmet at uh, oh, who was that backup? Mason Rudolph. Uh, Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Man, names are escaping me today, but everyone—I mean, even people that don't watch football—were up in arms about the Miles Garrett situation. That he used his helmet as a weapon, uh, and and if this is true that that occurred here in the uh, in the tunnel in Michigan, that that's going to have to be really, really, really serious consequences. Uh, you just can't have that, especially the four on one situation you're talking about. Yeah, like, was is... there
0: was a bunch more Michigan state players, but I think only these four were the main to get involved. Look, I mean, they made the right move suspending these guys indefinitely. Of course the investigation has to happen and we'll see what we you know what transpired fully. But look, this is a messy, messy situation and it's not a good look for the Big Ten. It's not a good look for either of these schools, nope. you know, particularly Michigan State, but Look, I mean, this just cannot happen. Look, I understand you can be frustrated. It's been a rough season for the Spartans until they're really successful year last year, but look, there's there's a point where you draw the line, and this is way, way past that line. Awful situation. We'll see how everything gets worked out, but those are just the early goings of the headlines that have been coming out about everything that happened in that game with the off-field stuff. So real quick before we wrap up, we're going to quickly touch upon Ohio State-Penn State. I I would have loved to have time. Going to go into more, but we will save it. We will talk about a couple more games on Wednesday before we preview. Penn State week was 10. in this
1: for a long time, Jack.
0: They were, and then the Sean Clifford experience happened in the fourth quarter. It
1: needs to be off the team. Three I interceptions. Can't do it anymore.
0: Four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble. One going for a pick six. Get I am really going to try to say this name. Team, Defensive off. lineman for Ohio State, JT Tui Tuimaloa. I think that's how you say it. JT Tuimaloa. Uh, pick six, fumble recovery. He had his name stamped all over this one. Uh, incredible game for him. C.J. Stroud goes for 354 and a touchdown. Gross. Travion Henderson gets a couple of rushing touchdowns for the Buckeyes. Gross. The fourth quarter was really where it was all decided. That's, it went in the favor of Ohio State. It, it would also
1: up a- if we could make a field goal on the first try,
0: please. It was a 16-14 Buckeye league going into the fourth quarter. I know. And then it got away. But it was right there. And then it got away. Because of Ryan Williams did leave the game it hurt, though, the Buckeyes. It would have
1: been 16-14 if we don't throw two picks on the opening drive.
0: Yeah, but look.
1: What do I, mean, I know? Rough. What do I know, James?
0: It's rough. It's rough. But, you know, one positive. Look, if, you, if you're if you trying to game plan for Ohio State in the future, Penn State did a really good job of shutting down Ohio State's screen game in this one. Every time they tried, Ohio State tried to throw a wide receiver screen, Penn State was all over it. Yeah. I mean, they were all over it.
1: Who had the uh, back-breaking touchdown run? Henderson? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was... We, that was as we were walking out of the Halloween event here for, uh, for KUR and I. Yeah, it made it thirty-seven twenty-four, and that that was the back-breaking play, and it just you know it wasn't going to happen after that. But so <sighs> so frustrating, Jack. They yep. were right there, six
0: and two. Look, the only bright side of the thing is is that you have a pretty favorable schedule the rest of the way. Oh, who cares? Penn State could win out; they could go ten and two. Um, obviously, not what they're looking for. The expectation is to be very really competitive with Michigan and Ohio State. Those are the only
1: two we care about. Non-competitive Those against Michigan. Those are the Michigan. two games that we care about.
0: Non-competitive against Michigan, were competitive against Ohio State, and had a chance to win it at home, and it slipped to their fingers because uh, Mr. Sean Clifford is, uh, yeah, Sean Clifford is no bueno. It was right there. He I just is... need
1: him off my team. Please, graduate, sir. Done. Done. Bring me Aller. Done. Moving on. <laughs> It's the Monday meltdown.
0: <laughs> Monday meltdown. Sean Clifford. Sean uh, Clifford,
1: he's just not good. He's not a good, he's objectively a bad quarterback.
0: He is not good. Well, that will do it for today's show. Once again, thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of Heavy Hitters right yes. here on the radio voice of Custody University K or Cuts Down. When we come back on Wednesday, full reactions for games Philies, three and baby. four of the World Series. Let's we will go preview. Phil! We will preview NFL week nine, preview some college football week ten, and get into some more of the Heavy hitting NHL breaking news. Once again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, once again, as always, you know, throw some recommendations in the show at Heavy Hitters k Check out the Instagram page. Uh, you know, if you want anything to be talked about more in the show, there is the place to have it. And stick happen. around for Linda. And listen, uh, yeah, sticking around for a Halloween special. Listen with Linda coming your way next right here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University. Okay, gotcha. you <laughs>